0: we just one.
1: my fields my name's joshua michael you're not getting my last name ever again
2: <laughs> i don't think you ever said it i don't think you ever did
1: ah it, you know what happens uh we got Maybe. mr uh, colin there in the tulsa and mr tony morales here in the springs what's up guys hey,
2: what's um, going nice to be back last week was very hard
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we we also had a very extremely limit pushing weekend uh Wow, just getting home from Primo's. Like, what time? What time did we get home? I think I messaged you. We messaged each other right. One thirty. Yeah, one thirty-two, something like that. Yeah. Had to drop some drunk asshole off. Fucking.
3: <laughs> I was not that asshole. No, you
1: were not that asshole. <laughs> no, it was. It was fine. I needed to. It, you know, we got to take care of people, and it's one of those things. All right, you asshole, I'm taking it. Take you home. We're, better be on the goddamn way where I'm going. But,
2: uh, Part of the fun of going to those things,
1: man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, Primo's Wrestling was a shitload of fun. Uh, we worked, Tony, Tony beat the dog shit out of some poor, I don't want to call him a jobber, but he definitely got a jobber ass beaten, that's for sure. He yeah,
3: was it was a newbie. He's good a new times, good times. Yeah, it was what's good times. The, what? good He the, turned his back on me, what can I say? You never turn your back uh, on your opponent.
2: Nope. Not even when it's a setup for uh for uh never mind, okay babe. What yeah.
3: Right. We didn't know it was coming.
1: Nope. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those impromptu starts getting his ass beat before the bell even rings.
3: Um <laughs> uh,
2: made an impression.
1: Yes it did. Yeah. Take everything to an seriously. i got some Take everything serious seriously. Serious content, photos, recordings, you name it, uh it's just cool being backstage and watching uh, people do business. I really enjoy that, like watching it happen. <laughs> but Tony, I, I mean, I was just—that was my experience. Like, my feet were hurting until like today.
3: Nice, nice. Yeah, no, it was uh, interesting. You know, freaking, I uh, got to got to see some people I hadn't seen in quite a while. Funny enough, the other Joshua Michael.
1: Yeah, there's another Joshua Michael, and it turns out that uh, everyone absolutely knew this guy before me, and I was told by a few different people, like, hey, when you first showed up on the scene, everyone was like, man, fuck that guy. He's not Joshua Michael. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is true. That is true.
1: I, and I can understand that. I would have been the same way, but he was a super nice guy. I took some photos with him. Uh, it, was good to, it was good to make his acquaintance. I hope he comes back to the to the pro wrestling scene here in Colorado. Speaking of pro wrestling scene in Colorado, there's a big-ass show coming up. What is it? I'm
3: thinking the one, with the Lucha Show.
0: No,
1: I'm talking about New Era. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, the, you know the Fed that you own, the, the one that I, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't go on tour Soulfly because we had too much shit to do. That Fed.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, that's happening.
0: <laughs> so.
3: September 18th, live, mile high comics on Jason Street. Oh, be yeah. there. You'll pay for the whole seat, but
2: only need the edge. <laughs> mask provided with ticket. Mask provided. mask provided with ticket? Yeah. Is it spent trunks? Is it what? Is it somebody's used trunks? Oh, that'd be great. I can neither confirm nor deny. Right. that would be hilarious. Yeah.
1: No, it's just going to be some uh, mask that we found on the side of the road and crudely scribbled New Era Wrestling on it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> One good No, we, we would professionally scribble New Era on
2: it. Yes, we Professional scribble. Kershaw right on. were you you were busy man were you could you tell us what you' were working on yeah actually I think I can now uh, when we talked about it it well I don't know how long ago it was but we talked about a show that I was working on uh, it's for FX network um, it's uh, it's a show it's a TV series about the sex pistols I don't know who's familiar with that I don't you know if you're into the punk scene or if you're into music in the 70s and 80s, uh, I think that uh, it's definitely something you're familiar with. There's a very scandalous act out of England. Uh, you've probably heard the names Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, these were the not to mention the rest of the crew. There was there was definitely Steve. Uh, and that's the thing, guys. I mean. I work in film. I don't always know everything about the biopics that I'm working on or the documentaries because they come out of nowhere and it's the opportunity to work in my field. They were so tight about information, about the script. I didn't get an actual script for the episode until like right before we were getting ready to work. And uh, even then, it was like, How long has it... I'm just talking about the network now, uh, the corporate aspect. How long uh, or how much material did they work on in London before they were coming to the U.S.? So what I can tell you all is not like plot points for the show, but I can say kind of what the work was. Uh, I was asked to... Basically, they've been filming for 20 weeks in the United Kingdom. So they've done all this stuff with all of their characters And they're all, like, real people, uh, and they're played by much younger performers who were really good. Those The the boys, I kept saying these are nice boys. It's so funny because (laughs) they play such jerkwads. But, like, the actors were so freaking nice. They were such good sports, and they've been putting up with stuff for months, you know? Uh, So what they were doing was, obviously, the Sex Pistols came to the United States in, uh, I think it's 1978, and they couldn't get billed anywhere in England anymore. They were too inflammatory, and they just drove the the uh, hierarchy crazy, in, or the patriarchy, I guess. And, uh, so they were like, yeah, we'll the go to the U.S. Patriarchy, Exactly. So they came over to the U.S., and they started in Atlanta, and they, uh, um, they were like, why aren't we playing all these big cities and stuff like that? And, uh, if you know the story, then I'm not spilling beans on anything. I do. You know, they're like, yeah, we're going to go around the South. Those people are going to hate you. And they were like, what? Oh, yeah, no. This is going to make you even bigger to, like, play to crowds where people just hate you. That's awesome. and, uh And it kind of worked, but I think they actually had a really good time, except that they were all at each other's throats the whole time. And um, I'm going to say, you know, folks, go look it up. But basically – This was originally supposed to be like a three-day thing around Dallas, and it turned into a six-day job that went all around Texas. So we had a tour bus that was the appropriate vintage that got rebuilt to look like the tour bus that they'd been filming in in England, which was made to look identical to the tour bus that the boys toured in in the U.S. And then, uh, so they filmed inside that and outside of it, and I was doing props, so I was responsible for all of the cigarettes and alcohol and the fake drugs and the uh, maintaining their instruments and stuff like that. How do and, you um,
1: how do you do fake heroin? Because that was uh, old uh, Sid
0: Vicious's uh, drug of choice. That right?
2: was his jam, man. He basically oh, yeah yeah. I don't want to blow the story, but yeah, he definitely had a heroin addiction. Through you'll you'll of course know Sid and Nancy, uh, but. Um, yeah, I didn't have to do that. They had already done all of that work in the United Kingdom. Well, how do you so, make fake heroin? Uh, the last time that anybody that I worked with anybody that we needed to do it, we made it out of a biologic, so it was like it was like cornmeal, and you know what? That's the thing. I don't do it. I don't have to do it. But I'm I I usually hire somebody to come in who is familiar with drugs. And how to make that stuff look real, especially with all the gag materials, because then I'm worried about the budget. I'm concerning myself with all of the other practical props, and I'm going to get stuck in all the meetings. So, at the risk of sounding like a Johnny come lately, I'm really, I'm, I'm really straight on. I don't do any drugs. I don't know how. I'd rather get somebody who knows what they're doing, and they make it. And like, I
1: think the only drug- the last time I did. The only mm-hmm. drug I've never seen in person is heroin and
2: crack. Uh, I saw crack one time in person. Uh, it was kind of odd that it was even there. It was one of those, like, college parties, and it was in a little uh, – somebody had it in a little glass vial, and it's just like, oh, what's that? And I was like, it's crack. And we're like, well, get the fuck out. We yeah. don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. You know, we were, like, really young, so we didn't want to even – this was the '90s, so it was like, "Oh my God, get it out of here!" Like it's a bomb or something. But say no to drugs, kids. Yeah, I mean, that. don't. Yeah, don't it's, do it's so not, it, this is not the stuff you want to get involved with. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Any time that somebody, you don't ever have to actually see a character doing heroin, like performing the action of heroin. Usually, it's going to be a retractable. Uh, needle that goes into a gag syringe and the fluid doesn't actually get, get seen to go in, go anywhere. Uh, and then you've got, um, because that's a lot of times quick edits. Like you can see the retractable needle pushing on the actor's skin and going, quote, into the vein, and it's not. But then you pull out and go to a different shot, and then you can do a plunger, and it's not going to move any of the fluid, and that's, that's that. Additionally, you've always got the business of trying to, like, uh, you know, melt it down. And it's just – it's a sequence of editing is how you get into those Not pieces. like Pulp Fiction. No big deal. Exactly. It's that. And then I uh, go in and, like, anytime you have to see anybody ingest anything, we try to make sure it's a food product. It's already a food-grade product. So, uh, you know, uh, we mainly the thing that I got in was I had to roll – about a hundred joints and it wasn't that i thought we're going to need all of them it was just like i knew that there was a limited amount of space on the picture vehicle on the bus and i wasn't going to be able to be there all the time so i just had to make sure we had enough bullets to shoot out these problems but yeah so that's what it was we went all around texas so when you watch that show uh when it comes out on the fx network and uh it's starring all of these guys that are in it. They were really, really great. And uh, the director for the work that I did was Danny Boyle. Oh, and he was the greatest, kindest, most awesome guy. I can't believe I got to work with him. Uh, I got to talk to him about Train Spotting too, which is one of my favorite movies. And uh, we talked about Sunshine. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. I love that movie. Uh, yeah, it was just... He was an approachable person, and he, it, was, it was just big time. I didn't talk to him about 28 days later, but I would have liked to.
1: Did you get to work with Taika Waititi on Reservation
2: Dogs? No. No? You know what is so weird about that? Okay, yeah, so now we're talking about a different FX show that I worked on, and that's on Hulu now. Uh, Reservation Dogs is, is put together by a local Oklahoman named Sterling Harjo, who I had never worked with in all of the years that we both lived here. I've had lots of friends who know him and work with him and stuff like that. But uh, he got paired up with Taika Waititi, uh, who, of course, did Thor, Ragnarok, uh, and uh, Jojo Rabbit. Freaking brilliant. He's Korg. He's Korg. He plays Korg in the Thor movies now. Um, and uh, Taika, Taika was in New Zealand. Oddly enough, like, I think he was doing, he, I think because of COVID or any number of reasons, not to say he had COVID, but for any number of reasons, he was uh, working from an office that was being, everything that was happening on the Reservation dog set was being live streamed to him. That's awesome.
1: I remember and he was able that.
2: to take, to give notes and. Talk about that. So talk about what they wanted to do and see in the sequences. But since it, you know, it's really Sterling Harjo's project. So um, I'm not going to say Tycho wasn't there because he technically was, and I'm not going to say that he didn't have any influence because he definitely did. And it's all—it's got his sense of humor. But um, uh, I don't want to take away from Sterling's take on things you can, you just—you can't make a show like this without indigenous intellect. And you can't... And if you can, you just shouldn't. Uh, so, I, I mean, are you, you guys familiar with this? John, you said you'd seen a few episodes, right? Yeah, I've
1: seen the first two. The first one where they are branded reservation dogs and those new rich white people show up and start fucking with them. And then the second episode when they got to go to the the clinic and it's the whole... Yeah. It's, it's definitely a... It's definitely Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs>
2: It's super-duper Oklahoma. I can tell you where we filmed everything.
1: Yeah, it is 100% Oklahoma. I'm glad that they haven't gotten too far into some of, like, the more... They could have gotten a lot darker. That's what I'm going to say. Oh, for real. They could have gotten way darker when it comes to what it's like to live in a... I've never lived in a reservation, but I know people that have. I've read uh, a lot of articles on that sort of thing. Uh, They definitely are playing down drug and alcohol use 100%. It could be Oh for real. It, it could it, it should be like there if if they showed a guy drinking gasoline in a trailer that had no electricity and babies running around it, um, it wouldn't it it would it would still it would be the truth. And then I think I think if people saw it it would they wouldn't believe
2: it. I think that's kinda unfortunately the reality in a certain aspect, like um, you know we were filming around Turlton, where there was a legendary like fireworks explosion from a plant that killed like I think it was 50% of the town's population yep. in the early 80's and uh, we they filmed a lot around Okmulgee which is actually a very fine little town Um. Uh. and uh, yeah I mean basically the plot revolves around four Teenage, more or less, do wells uh, that they kind of run in a gang, even though they don't really think of themselves as a gang. Until some new kids to the area, who definitely are trying to operate as a gang, show up and decide you we're your rivals. Um, but they're uh, they are the, 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 the four of the, the four main characters uh, are. They're very disappointed because it's been a year since a friend of theirs committed suicide. Right. And um, they're trying to find any way that they can to get some money and get out of town and go to California. And I'm going to say this. I never got to read a single script. I only worked on the sets on this job. I got to go around and make the sets look like what they needed to. So. Uh, I worked heavily in this convenience store in the new episode. I worked heavily on their hideout, uh, which is that kind of abandoned factory-looking place. Yeah. Um, I worked on uh, the grandma's house from the new episode, and I did several other things, little places. But uh, um, without revealing any, like, major plot points, I mean, that's the plot of the show is... Uh, And having never read the script, I'm seeing it all for the first time and going, like, this is pretty funny. This is really cute. And then all the commercials. I did all the commercials that they play relentlessly on FX. So when they're running away from the convenience store with all that food in their pockets and stuff like that, I did that. uh, The thing where they're on the lawnmower throwing the flaming flamers down and chopping them up and stuff like that. Just silly stuff like that. Antics, you know.
1: Suicide is definitely a. Uh, I, I liked how they incorporated suicide, considering how uh, suicide is such a prevalent. Uh, it's, it's. We've all been touched by suicide in some shape or form, but yeah, not that much. Not not yeah. Not,
2: not that I much. think that it's it's a consistent issue, with I think veterans, uh, and I think uh, people in low-income situations. Yeah, well, this uh, specifically it,
1: we, reservation,
2: though. This is the, yeah. yeah. This is a whole different type of low-income situation. Just absolute destitution. But at the same time, while they're not ignoring this thing, this this element, it's that the story is being told with a modern indigenous sensibility and sense of humor.
0: Yeah.
2: and um, It doesn't feel it like... It really some- works. It's funny.
1: It, it really is, and it's got it's got its it's got its ups and downs. It, it, it's it's a good DJ set, but I, I do got to say that I was really impressed, and also I'm really relieved that it wasn't done by some asshole in Hollywood that caught wind of what might be happening on reservations and you know read oh, I, yeah. read an article. No, it was done by True Blue Oklahomans the way it should have been, like so. every
2: tornado movie.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah.
2: I don't know. I'm still waiting for the Tornado movie that I did uh, a couple of years ago to come right before COVID to come out. And even that one, I mean, it's just like, what are you going to do with Oklahoma? Everybody's always like struggling to figure out what can you do that makes Oklahoma actually look good in the movies? You know, and I'm like, maybe if you show some people pick up their lives after it was destroyed by the storm. Or maybe if you, you know, because, like, I know what they're filming up there with Killers of the Flower Moon, and I hear constantly about that plot. I have not read that book, and it is not freaking good what peop- what white people did yeah. to the Osage, It's horrible. Like, it's outright murder. So, I mean, it's just another thing, though. Here's another horrible thing that happened in Oklahoma. It's another thing that's still happening.
0: It's
1: usually the... Uh... Uh, the, the story is they got out and moved to
2: Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah.
0: But We're at closed. least Reservation Dogs
2: has a sense of humor and depicts uh, people living in... Uh, I mean, these, these kids are maybe not educated, but they're definitely clever, you know? Right. And um, I really like this new episode with, the, uh, with, the, with Big, the, the light horseman, police officer... And Cheese, the youngest member of the little crew, God, that was so good. Uh, and then bringing in the mysticism, freaking amazing. I love that.
1: Well, while we, anyway. uh, while we wind out outside of uh, Oklahoma, uh, you were at Raw the other day. Were you, were you in Tulsa or in OKC?
2: Uh, I was in OKC. Uh, yeah, I went to Monday Night Raw, WWE. It, and that was the crazy thing. I mean, how, this is how... this uh, uh, It's not the Chesapeake anymore. It's the Paycom Center. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, this is this is how the day went. I was in OKC. I was with my girlfriend. Uh, we went to lunch, and I and we were walking up to where we were eating, and it was like Steve Austin T-shirts everywhere. I'm going like, what is go What is going on? And then we walked in for a place to lunch. There's more Steve Austin shirts, an Oscar shirt, uh, a uh, why can't I think of his freaking name? Seth uh, Rollins? No, no. Bobby Lashley. Uh, Roman Reigns. No, 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 no. no. Drew McIntyre? Uh, Going down, down, down the tier. Um, Shorty G? They're making a big deal out of him <laughs> right now. RK Bro. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt yeah. Riddle.
1: Yeah, Matt Riddle.
2: Matt Riddle and... Uh, uh, Randy Orton. The Cobra. Randy Orton. Gosh, yeah. Viper. And And I'm like... Get I was pizza. like, I gotta check this out. There's a WWE show tonight. You want to go? And she was like, uh, yeah, I guess. So we got some tickets. It was no problem to get tickets. There's never a bad seat in, in that place. It might have been the Chesapeake. It may be the Paycom Center. There's no bad seats in that joint. Even if you're in the nosebleeds, you can still see everything and it's awesome. But uh, we got there. We came in right after uh, they started with Cedric Alexander And uh, we got our seats, and, I mean, the Raw roster has some people on it that I'm interested in and others that I don't feel so hot about. I was kind of hoping to see The Miz, of all people. I was really excited to see Drew McIntyre, and there was a whole whole bit in there with uh, Jinder Mahal. I thought they had let him go. I thought the company let Jinder Mahal go, but they were playing him up big time. And then uh, uh, there was a big fight between Charlotte Flair and Nia Jax. I didn't know Nia Jax was still working. Uh, but, yeah, there were some people that were not there that I was disappointed I didn't see. And, you know, looking over on the on the SmackDown roster, I was kind of surprised. Like, how are they not doing something with this person? And maybe it's because they're on injury detail or who, who knows. But, um, uh I mean, it was a good time, it was just, it was, uh it's not any of the other shows I've ever been to, which were quantifiably way better. I don't know what to tell you.
0: No, I've... Nikki
2: been, Cross is not even Nikki Cross anymore, yeah, she's, she's Nikki some,
1: Ash. She's got some stupid-ass superhero gimmick that sucks, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, she was
2: a wild gal. There's I whole things about superheroes. Yeah. It is,
1: it is,
3: it is. It is. entire things about superheroes.
2: It's all about... I get it. I get it. I just... And, and the
3: occasional drag our show.
2: Our show has a lot to do with superheroes, but Minefields, I think, is about uh, good narrative fiction. Love it. And, and, and pop culture stuff.
1: I was happy for you. I'm glad you were there. I didn't... Like, anyone else I would have been like, yeah, fuck Rock. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you had a good time, man. I wanted you to enjoy yourself. And we're, we're just... Right now, we're gearing up for... Uh, we got all out on Sunday, man. hmm <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for all out. We, I uh, got, I got, uh, I got paid for some of my photos on. Uh, oh sweet! On Sunday, and I immediately just just bought all like, I've been trying to buy it in the first place because they, they were moving Bleacher Report Live to um, to just Bleacher Report, and it was all fucked up. And finally, like it, it popped up and like fucking there it is right there. So, uh, limit pushing this weekend got us all out.
2: Awesome. Sweet.
1: Yep. We're gonna get together, get some get some good food. We gotta record our predictions episode soon, and uh, I I can't wait. Yeah,
3: I see if they're done if they're done for you putting matches out. We're gonna put one out after a uh, rampage on Friday.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. rampage after rampage on Friday. I Forgot we were just what we're we gonna do for that one after rampage. But, uh, Tony, what do you got to wrap us up, man? Like, like, uh, anything else of the new era? You did a kick-ass barn burner of a match. Uh, we got to hang out with Mr. Ryzen. I'm really happy we got to see Mr. Adrian Grimm just kick. I really, the, I, I was re-watching the match. And, uh, there was just some, a believability about that, about that man's, uh, in-ring performance during that, that match with him and Lilith and, and, uh, Ryzen and, um, why am I spacing? I was watching it. <laughs> little Hunter Gray. Yeah. Hunter Gray. <laughs> Mr. Hunter Gray. I, I forgot how fucking big that motherfucker was.
3: He's a big boy. He's a big
1: <laughs> boy. Did you get to catch up with Ryzen at all? I didn't see you guys chatting.
3: No, no, not really freaking uh, kind of end up showing up late. I had to had to work my job and head up right afterwards, so kind of made it a point to talk to specific people based on certain stuff I'd had uh, to talk to them about. Of course. You know, nothing really nothing too crazy yeah nah freaking Rob's a good dude just freaking trying to slip through the cracks unfortunately
1: yeah no worries mm. he'll be back hopefully he'll be uh, signed he was mentioning and I didn't know that there's tears to the eliteness before you get your own graphic oh really and yeah okay yeah there's there's tears to it and he, he'll, hopefully he'll get you know the, the full all elite soon but you know until then I'm glad he's still working indie shows going going from place to place stacking that paper and Keeping the keeping the momentum going because you know you, you never know I mean like uh, and uh, Zach Ryder showed up and he ate all eat he only did like what four episodes and then they just had nothing for him
2: huh yeah yeah
1: but yeah that's uh, that's all I got for that man like I'm just glad to be recording with you guys talking about some comics you guys we got a kick ass list talked about some Reservation Dogs uh. King the Conquer, number one. Fantastic Four life Story, the 80s, number one. I'm sorry, number three. three. Silver Surfer. Three. Uh, Colin did a bit of a deep dive on some uh, late 80s, 1987, specifically Silver Surfer issues. We've That's got right. Way of X, number five. Mr. Miracle, number four of six. Robin, number five. Uh, Superman, number 78, number one. And Alien, number six, which I finally got my hands on today. Oh, god damn, that was good. Um, you, what are you going to do first, man? Uh, hit me... Tony,
3: hit me with the hit me with some robin. Alright, and we'll take a look here. Alright, so as we all know, Robin has been uh he's on this Lazarus Island. And they're about to do this competition. They could not start it until everybody else had already died once. The entire thought process is once you die three times you are eliminated from competition. Or just dead.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh you find out that, unfortunately, Ravenger was the uh, last one to die. So now the competition is about to start, but she was killed from behind by Respawn.
1: <laughs> Respawn, who and, and, and Colin, if he, if you weren't here for any of them, is basically an amalgam of Spawn, Deadpool, and uh, and uh, dead, uh, Deathstroke. Deathstroke. Uh, yeah. In in the most blatant, like he, they even mentioned. Don't don't they even bring up how many. P- uh, pouches
2: he has and shit like that. Yeah, it's a blade. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's a blade and shot. Let's create a new character called Cash that that <laughs> yeah. just like is everybody? Cash
3: Crab. <laughs> How they haven't done that already is beyond me.
2: Yeah, it's it's got to be a millionaire. <laughs> He's just dr- leaving cash behind him everywhere he goes. Okay. A
1: millionaire orphan assassin who's been brought back from the dead. Who's trans black Indian. Snicked. Uh, flicked. He's got
0: claws.
2: He had claws. <laughs> webs. And yeah, claws. He a shoot web. In Canadian.
1: It, 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 yeah, and, and, Canadian. Yeah, and Canadian. Has,
2: has, has Spider Man eyes. Of course. Lots uh, of pouches.
1: Lots of pouches. Uh, lots of big guns. Uh, every issue. Big yeah. the guns, there's is no
2: way anybody could pick up.
1: Agreed. Uh, every issue is a new number one. So <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always number one, but this one has a change in the logo, and the next yeah. one is a foil cover. Yeah. The next one is a hologram. Okay, we could go hologram, on and on. Hologram,
1: mail away. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> and chains. Right, sorry, Lots of chains.
3: Lots, of chains. <laughs> Lots of chains. And Andy's a spirit from hell. <laughs> Alright, so the, uh, the priest of the League of Lazarus are summoning the arena, utilizing their abilities one would assume and everybody does not realize where Robin is and ravengers looking for him and there's like he's got to get here by dawn or basically he's disqualified and no, nobody's saying what happened to him even though we all know that our boy Connor Hawk threw him off the uh, off the island basically mm-hmm mm-hmm so we turn around, and we find Robin, and he is being chased by Nightwing, Spoiler, Red Hood, and Tim Drake Robin. Bat and they,
1: to the rescue. The,
3: yep, the entire Bat family is after him. <laughs> you know They don't know what what's going on. They're just trying to stop him from making some kind of foolhardy mistake, and they're not wrong. <laughs>
1: Absolutely not.
3: You know, and the whole thing ends up being that he's just like, you know, if you guys catch me, I'll go with you, but you got to catch me first. And each and every person is, you know, they fan out trying to get him, and what they're referring to as a rooftop race. You know, he, he's eluding them one at a time. He ends up going around the corner, and there's Jason with a uh, tranquilizer darts in his gun, ready to shoot him. And Damien's just like, you know. Everyone wants to talk about how Dick Dick has the most experience, you know, and you know Tim's out of earshot, so he's probably the smartest. Spoilers the bravest. But he looks at Jason and he's just like, You you're the most emotional. Oh. As he just walks up and hugs him. And <laughs> you can see Jason. Yep. And Jason's eyes just get big. And then Damien turns around and electric shoots him. <laughs> <laughs> You know, he makes it to the ports, and he's just like, Oh, this is the the ship I gotta get on to get back to Lazarus Island to compete. And freaking, you know, turns around and there's Nightwing. And he's like, you know, you're not gonna stop me. And he's like, I'm not even trying to stop you. As he throws him a package. And he opens up the package, and it's these bars that just say, Versus the world. And then Ra freaking Dick tells him the story... Probably when he was leaving for college, Alfred gave them to him. And they are actually made from the trapeze bars that were he would use in his family's act. And the whole thing was that he was supposed to help him remember that he came from two worlds. And he's like, you know, I think you need these. You know, Alfred knew I struggled with my past, my present, and my future. And anytime I needed reminding of who and what I was, he gave me these. And then we just see Damien take off his mask, and he just starts, like, slowly crying. And then Damian is just like, you know, I was there. You know, I saw him when Bane broke Alfred's neck and killed him. The snap. And he's talking about how death's been a part of his life since the day he was born. But with Alfred, I didn't get it until I heard the snap. You know, here they are, trying. you know, Dick Grayson's just trying to, you know, talk to him, just kind of talk him through this. You know, and he's talking about how many times he tried to run away from home, you know. And he's like, Alfred and Bruce always knew, you know, more than I can even count how many times I tried to get away. But he talks about how he was always Batman's sidekick, or he was always the leader of the Titans. But he, he always, he couldn't, it took him the longest time to figure out who he was. And he's just like, you know... Damien like, Why are you telling me this? You know, and he talks about how all the other people coming after him right now, Tim, Stephanie, Jason, they were all robins to Bruce first. But then we turn the page and he puts his hand on Damien's shoulder and he's like, But you were my Robin Referring to the Grant Morrison run when mm-hmm. Dick Grayson was Batman after R&D. and yep, Damien was his Robin. And the whole, the whole joke really, it was like, if you could catch me, you know, I'm not going to go back to Lazarus Island. And he's just like, and Robin, and Damien is just like, he's like, you caught me. And then Jason, or er, Nightwing's just like, did I? And then he just starts going off, Damien, no, stop, I'll catch you. Come home. Damien, please don't. And they just look at each other and run. run he winks at him and he's like, you just run. <laughs> And as he as he jumps aboard the ship to head back to Lazarus Island, everybody else comes up behind Nightwing, and he's just like, oh, the kid's fast. Everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what's happening. They're letting him go do his own thing because he's got he's to grow up to be his own man. And as they're leaving, Spoiler's just like, what are we going to tell Batman, though? At night, we just like that his son's safe, that we, you know, we have to trust Damien and have faith in him. And whatever his fight is right now, he's got to do it alone. You know, we turn back to uh, to Lazarus Island. They've completed the fight arena. And, you know, everyone's just kind of talking, you know, we don't know where, you know, where we don't know where Robin is, but he'll be here. And as they walk through the doors... There he is, hmm. and everyone asks, you know, what were you doing? And he was like, uh, I was training. You know, I was missing something, but now I've got it. And he looks like he looks at like Connor Hawk, and he's like, well, you know, you got lucky before,
0: rich boy. Both
3: well, you and your friend, <laughs> you know. But I'm gonna cut you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut your heads off. And Ravager just walks by and sees him talking about how her father Destro could be proud of him. And then freaking Damien is just like, you know, when we're done with this, I'm gonna talk to you about how you routed me out to Red Hood and you told everybody where, you know, where I was. And he's like, just what's the deal with you two anyway? And uh, you know, we'll get there. But before they can get deeper into it, we hear this lady saying, you know, it's time, fighters. You know, ages, ago, ages ago, my people were lost to desert sands. We thought we honor them with this tournament. And she's like, now, and we turn the likes page. Everybody's attacking each other and fight. Next month, lots of fighting.
1: <laughs> the way they set this up was genius. Like, I was, each each issue continually surprises me about how they can go in five different directions. The emotional quality of this is pure blue DC. The the, the, the separation of of marvel and, and dc is 100 percent alive and well in this when they really get to like the they're not i don't feel like they're. this is an emotionally manipulative uh comic book um you you specifically warned me like yo warning <laughs> this one this one this one will get you and i appreciate that because it, it really did because i was waiting for it waiting for it waiting for it and then it happened i was like okay yeah the the, the alfred
3: thing like Oh yeah, that got that got you right in the feels.
1: A hundred percent, and the the fact that they're allowing Robin to have his own, not just have his own comic book, you know, as you know, just another cash grab, but to really like evolve the character and to let him be his own person. Because after his unceremonious uh, departure from Titans, the Bat family. I mean, he really burned every goddamn bridge he could. And I was really curious how they were going to be able to get him off the ground after that because the last time I really enjoyed Damien so much was during you know Batman and Robin with Grant Morrison like it, it was but it was Morrison writing it you know there was something a little bit extra there so yeah this is if you guys aren't reading it you know obviously we gave you some spoilers but it it doesn't matter we honestly didn't even though you know what happened it, it there's still
0: a lot
3: you got you got to read you got to read it to get the full emotional grip of it yeah. we can't. We can't do it justice telling you about what happened. If you wanna, if you wanna really get into this, you need to be reading this book and really kind of enjoying it for what it is, because it, it, it kind of catches you out of nowhere with that one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Plus, all the new characters we're having fun with, uh, the the a new form of uh, personality from Rachel Ghoul. Um, I think it was just one one baton he got from from Night from Nightwing. Uh, by the way, yeah, it was just it was just the one, but. It, it, it's definitely, I love when you get those breadcrumbs, you know, you get a big one, like, okay, this is going to be the weapon that is going to, like, like it's going to be building to, like, how is this one weapon going to save everything for Robin? and I can't wait for it.
3: Yep. Hmm.
1: But, yeah, that's that's what, you got anything else for Robin, brother?
3: No, nah, man, it's just solid. Like I said, you're sleeping on this one. It's freaking, you're missing out. Like, I just kind of picked, they just kind of get thrown in my bag or in my, uh, my box one day, and I figured I'd give it a shot, and, you know, it's quickly become one of the better books in D.C. overall.
1: And we got Fear State coming up. I'm looking at this checklist, goddamn, all the way to December, but every single one of these books is great. Batman's Secret Files, Catwoman, Nightwing, Detective Comics, Harley Quinn. Uh, we have got <clears> Arkham City coming out. Um, Secret Files, Peacekeeper number one, I can't fucking wait for that one.
3: Yeah, the Secret Files ones have been really solid. I'm looking for the, uh, looking to get more into Miracle Molly a little bit. She seems like a really cool character. I you to see where she's going to go.
1: Agreed. Uh, I want to go into Aliens really quick, number six. Um, it's so wrapping up. I was wondering how long they were going to keep this going because, you know, it's Marvel. Are they going to just do six and you want to, you know, finish it off quick? Or are they going to, you know, do 12 or just see how far it'll go until it gets canceled? Or they, you know, put a new group of people on it, and then it sucks, and then they don't do it for a while, like they do with night with uh, Moon Knight all the time. No, this is wrapping up the storyline, and it's we we've got the father trying to save the, the the shithead son. He's his military work has always, you know, he was doing it for his family. It, it cost him a son already, and finds out that his son is one of the rebels, like trying to destroy everything on this uh, a space station orbiting Earth which happens to have a couple of aliens, including a queen. And the guy was, turns out that he was just even more dopey than what we would really even anticipate. He was doing it for a fucking woman uh, that was using the dog shit out of him. She wasn't even human and only using it for him to steal the clearance codes to get there so they could get an alien.
3: In all fairness, we've all been there.
1: Oh, 100%. (laughs) 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 And I'll do it again. (laughs) Um,
3: Ain't that the truth. <laughs> the truth? I
1: don't have a mind fearless, I don't have a really good track record when it comes to to picking them. I, I've, I've got a lot of great ex girlfriends I'm still friends with, but every now and then I find one that. Well, anyway, that could have been me ten years ago. That
3: <laughs> um, could have been you six months ago.
1: Hey, 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 hey! She was tall and blonde. You can't blame me for that one.
3: I can blame you for going back.
1: Hey, I left immediately. <laughs> I wasn't thinking with my head. Obviously. Anyway, uh, we digress. Uh, <laughs> A lot. Bishop saves the day. Uh, Dad has to, I mean, like, everything's being sabotaged. Uh, Weyland-Yutani is like, hey, uh, bring back the alien that's inside your son now, and I'll, we'll get you back you know, uh, working for the army, we'll give everything back to you, we'll get you, like, you know, clean records, you're going to be completely, you know, everything that you've done, criminal, is going to be erased, you're not going to be held, you know, responsible for it, and he's like, no, fuck, you already lost his son, I'm not coming back, and immediately everything gets disabled, and he's got to go out there to, uh, you know, do a spacewalk to, to help things, Bishop is, they've got minutes, maybe, a two three minutes before the, you know they, they plummet completely out of control through the ad- atmosphere and stratosphere and get destroyed and uh, of course there's a queen waiting for him and he sacrifices his life. Uh, it, it, but they break it down the, the, my, the point I liked about it was it, they've talked about it before but the way they sh- really brought it to the forefront when the queen is there trying to kill the dad it isn't because you know she's just being a, a monster she's trying to save her kids. The same thing he's trying to yeah. do as well. And he, he makes the ultimate sacrifice. Bishop figures out a way to... Uh, you know, he, he stabilizes it. Bishop is able to get on, on his way back to Earth safely. The, 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 uh, the alien has been successfully removed before it gestates completely. And, you know, we don't know what's waiting for a Bishop model with the son that has not been told that his dad is dead and what was inside of him. And then we zoom in on like the dun 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 moment which I thought was kind of stupid but at the same time I was already in like that heightened sense of awareness from such a good story that it didn't really hit me until now that I would say it out loud but uh the cat's <laughs> got the the quintessential scratches on the face from uh, having had a, a face hugger on it so there's it's it's there and it, it, of all the aliens that we read like a couple like last month like I was like wait a minute, which alien was it where the earth was already completely evaded okay that was the that was when Newt was grown up.
2: Um, that's
1: okay. That's all right. We'll, we'll be fine.
2: Wait, what? What are you talking about? Are you saying? Are you bringing up what we talked about a while back?
1: Yeah, I remember like the yeah. the, the, the late Dark Horse ones that were being republished uh-huh. by Marvel. Um, extra bit here that the uh, like, I, I, if I was going to put a generic name on what the our main protagonist was seeing in his dreams is more like an Omega alien instead of a Mother Queen alien. That yeah. has more human features, and the the evil robot is telling him like, you know, you're not the first to you know leave your your solar system and experience this. That it's happened many times before, and you're you're all dead soon, and it's going to happen again, and it really doesn't fucking matter. So there's that little bit of you know you're a speck in in a huge system that if you're gone, does it really matter? But you still got a good story to tell.
2: Yeah, I got to say, like the alien depiction that they're showing us of the uh, of that Omega alien, if that's what you want to call it, is eerily reminiscent of a character from the Avengers a couple of years ago. And I'm having a hard time nailing down exactly what that character is. Mm-hmm. If it was a good guy or a bad guy, I don't really know. I think it was from the Infinity storyline, but it, but it's uh, it's it's you know it's because those. Horns coming out of its head and right. the kind of like that dismissive expression, that wary glance that it has and that metallic quality, which could be, you know, the carapace armor of the aliens. I don't know. You know, and you get you get a whole franchise this big under your wing because you're part of the Disney business now, and it would be astonishing for them to do something with aliens in the regular Marvel continuity now. Uh, if they wanted to go so far as to do something with that character. I think that's I'm i not saying, you know, I mean, we don't need Superman Terminator and, like, Batman Predator and all of that or stuff, Batman necessarily. America, alien, no. We don't need that. because You know, it's already goofy enough to have, like, Archie versus Predator. But, like, Uh,
1: yeah but that was goofy enough that it worked and it wasn't like they were using a a serious character Hmm.
2: yeah I mean if they wanted to do something that wasn't part of the regular continuity just so we could see how these characters team up against a situation like that that would be interesting
0: that would be like Marvel zombies
1: uh, or something like that
2: yeah like worst case scenario Venom saves the day because it's all about symbiotes or some shit who the hell knows but whatever I don't know yeah before it's been a good book. I love I love the art. Did you what do you I mean, when you see the look of Bishop, does he not look like Lance Hendrickson? And, and it's not it's just awesome. about it
1: it's not just about him looking like Lance Hendrickson. It's the, the care that they put into the artwork. It flows well, it's gorgeous, it's slick. It's it's exactly yeah. the cleaned up digital work I would expect in a kick ass sci fi book. It delivered hundred percent. I would give it because it didn't like knock my socks off, like it's I mean i I've, I've got all the issues, but at the same time though it 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 wasn't if if the bar is Aliens mm-hmm. and to a lesser extent the director's cut of Alien Three, then I would give this a solid like eight. If there if those other ones are tens yeah, and nines, that's a give good us, book. I'd Give us a solid eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to the next one, I do want uh, Tony. You completed a collection.
3: Yes, I got the initial fifty issue run of uh, Image. Wildcats.
1: How, I, I know you haven't read all of them. How, how far into that initial run did Jim Lee do before he bailed? I assume 12, maybe 13?
3: I don't know off the top of my head. It's, it's I think it's longer than 13. Cause like, I, I remember like, back in the day, it was supposed to only be like, a four issue miniseries. They finished the initial story and it was done. And then like, I think like a year passed and I picked up like, randomly issue like, 13 maybe and I was like well I didn't even realize they had uh done more than an initial four issue run mm-hmm. and just kind of on a whim I started picking them up when we started doing the uh, the first run of the hunt yeah, and freaking uh just got in because the um, the last seven issues I think are a low uh, low print count and freaking so I had to like go out of my way to dig up most of those. Ended up getting the last two from a uh, Canadian comic book store. Oh, damn. Yeah, in the mail, I think, Monday. But yeah, I got issues, uh, I think, 47 and 49, and that officially completed the set. It's
1: like, do you think the only two left over from the original, like, image run, like, when the main creators that founded it, I think it's just Spawn and Savage Dragon? They're kind of doing Witchblade right now, but that wasn't one of the original runs on, uh, like the Wildcats, and uh, it would be more of kind of like how like Gen Thirteen was kind of like second, like generation. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. But I'm glad you got it, man. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, something different. Freaking, looking forward to really tearing into it and rereading all that because I remember it being like a big deal back in the day, and I kind of it's kind of cool to be like oh I got all of them now. Yeah, so that's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah,
2: man, dude, there's nothing like that. I don't. How many other collections do you feel like you've you've gotten in its entirety? Um, in? Pe-
3: Before that one, I picked up the initial seventy issue run of the original X Factor, yeah, where it was that. the uh, mm-hmm. the five original members of the X Men. So I've got that, and then everything else that I've gotten in any form of entirety is all. New Fifty Two and Rebirth,
0: awesome, sick, yeah.
3: So what about you guys? Any any particularly sets you guys completed that you want that you enjoy?
1: Yeah, I forgot to mention that I got all of the uh, Hellspawn issues uh, from that were written by Bendis and done by uh, Temple Smith. I got my Amanda Waller first appearance. I got nice. Um, I've been getting more wizard magazines uh, just so we could, like, like <laughs> just, I, I, just, I just love them. I, I got my creme de la creme one that they had, like, the, the one I wanted that wasn't in that box that day was the Joe Maduria cover number, issue number 49, and had the, uh, a mini comic of Evil Ernie, um, Straight to Hell in there, which made me really happy, but then I opened it up, and I was like, because it had Stephen Hughes, hadn't read it, like, that was, like, my, I cherished that, I, I, I lost it. That was like I think it came out like 98 or 67 seven or something like that but mm-hmm. you know, he's got that gorgeous Stephen Hughes cover and I open it up and it's all Justiniano artwork and I' like ah like <laughs> <this>, it it's, <laughs> it's pretty but like you know uh, I, 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 I'm 90% sure he's in a Mexican or Brazilian jail for uh, pictures on <laughs> pictures on his computer that he should not have had um, oh yeah yeah I think I mentioned that before one time when I was when I when I met uh, uh, Polito the first time, like whatever happened to Justin? No, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he ain't gonna be around for a while, dude." <laughs> he, gave oh, me, yeah, he gave me a look like, "Drop it." After that, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, copy that, brother. Won't bring it up.
3: Mm. But, uh, what about R- you, Colin? You got any good? Any good? Uh, oh yeah,
2: full runs. Oh yeah, I mean, like, the th- I mean, that's the thing. You could talk about doing like that alien four parter that we talked about. You can talk about having every issue of Machine Man. Mm-hmm. You know that's what 18, 19 issues. That's that's a that's a thing, but it's not the same thing. I have the entire Marvel one hundred and fifty-five issue run of GI Joe, the original Marvel GI Joe Wonderful. comic series, and some of those get freaking pricey. You know, nice. like they get some of those get up there. How much? Especially, is the silent issue. The silent issue. Ah, you know, it might be if it was in awesome shape, it might be twenty bucks. I mean, it's not. Oh. It's it's not... The, I mean, it's a first appearance of Storm Shadow, uh, but, you know, it varies depending on the prices. When I was a kid, when I was a high schooler in an in a early college, and I was going to a store and looking for those in particular, they had them overpriced for that time period even. But, uh, you know, I mean, I was still just like, that was the only place I knew where I could get them. You know, it was I mean, the Internet was there, but... It was still like, oh, God, I'm afraid to even buy a roadblock action figure or, a, or <laughs> yeah. a, a Star Wars guy or Episode One Legos on eBay, let alone buy comic books. Oh, the condition might not be. It was just this whole thing. So I went and I got, like, I got these issues, and I was overpaying for them. But now, like, as a whole, I could move that set. But I'm not, you know, it varies depending on the condition. Uh Consequently, I virtually had the entire Walking Dead. You know, I just did not have a first print issue number two, two. Uh, but you know, I essentially I sold that off before the you had a number two was done. You
1: had a number two, it just wasn't a good in good condition.
2: No, no, it was fine. It just wasn't a first print.
1: Oh, I didn't know that they even. Okay, all right.
2: Was a second print that I found sometime later, and um, I don't think I paid through the nose for it. Uh, but, uh, and then what else? I don't know. I mean, like, um,
1: I have, uh, it popped in my head just a second ago. I have the, yeah. I have every single X-Files issue ever.
0: Oh, wow. I, yeah.
1: I have every single one, negative, negative three, two, negative one, zero, <laughs> uh, number one, wizard half. I've got the wizard one and a half, I've got yeah. the IDWs, I've got even the, the, the 40 days a night mini-series they did, if it was X-Files, I fucking have it. Um, and mm-hmm, nice. Including, I have uh, the first four entire sets of the trading cards and the nice tops binder. I'm fucking proud. I'm of that shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I need to go over it. I need to get all of my, comp- all of my comics out of uh, where they are being held up right now. But uh, I might have every issue of original Darkhawk.
0: Nice. Um, oh, nice. For a, while, making a comeback.
2: Afraid. Yeah, apparently I, there's a new printed issue. I, I I have it and haven't had a second to sit down and read it. I didn't take it with me while I was gone this weekend. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. Uh, I Off the top of my head, you know, those are the ones I can think of, other than it's like, oh, hey, here's a limited run and it's 12 issues or right. something. I mean, I've got loads of those print runs, but, mm-hmm. you know, not a concurrent title. <clears throat> I mean, it would be really something to be like, oh yeah, I've got one of every issue of Amazing Spider-Man or Captain America or something. I know this guy who's like, yeah, I, I have the second most, uh, the second highest quality print run of Captain America, and I'm like, still, you're still going with that? Like, all these years later, that was ten years ago you said that. And I mean, it might not even be the second most now, it might be the fifth most, who the hell knows?
1: I just I <laughs> I just realized I can probably complete an entire run of, of Hellblazer, because I've got number one, and I've got nine through, like, I think, what was it, like, 111? Yeah, like that. all right.
0: Well.
1: Yeah, I, I'm missing those first eight, no, no, seven, one, so two through eight, and then I, I've got nine through, well, you saw him.
3: Yeah, that would be, like, seven issues shy of it then.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do Mr. I mean, Miracle. You might be able
3: to make it happen. You might be able to make that slide through a shoot.
1: We'll make that shit happen, man. Now that I'll be on the jazz about it, especially if I can have like you probably get me a new a new girlfriend. Hey, I gotta reissue a hellblazer. Really?
0: <laughs> Word? Mm. <laughs> Let's oh, do Mr. God.
1: Miracle. <laughs>
3: Please. This, is Josh, this is how Josh woos the ladies. Yeah,
1: knowing, knowing, knowing my luck, it'll, I'll end up like, ending up like fucking Nick Cage and selling all my comics as my old lady makes me.
0: Oh, yeah. I
3: sell all the comics. Like, I don't have anything to read this week, guys. Why? My lady won't let me.
1: <laughs> my, lady, oh. my lady won't let me. I gotta go. I'll just let the recorder just keep playing. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta get to the... Uh, just a... Uh, you're going to get to the early bird special. Oh, God. Oh, that would be hell. That would be hell and justifiable like murder-suicide.
3: We're going to be a two-man
2: crew. <laughs> We're going to be a two-live crew.
3: Oh, I'm down. That would be awesome. <laughs> all right, we got Mr. Miracle, the source of freedom, four of six. The source of freedom. As we all know, Shiloh Jones was killed last issue. And turns out he was actually not killed, but he was saved by Oberon, friend and confidants of Mr. Miracle. All three of them. Shiloh just looks up and he's like, three of them? And then a voice says, Shiloh, I know the situation seems crazy. And it's Vito, his business manager.
1: What's up, bro? Just chill out, drink <laughs> this water. Everything be cool. Listen to this short white dude. It's going to blow your fucking mind, bro.
3: <laughs> and he does. <laughs> so he decides to tell him, you know, he's like, are there are three Mr. Miracles, and he's like, oh, I never said there were only three. I was just friends with three of them. You know, and he starts talking about, uh, telling about the mother box and how infinite possibilities that eradicate the most preposterous of doubts. How a kid possesses a mother box, doubt the existence of anything supernatural. Weren't you an astronomy nerd in grammar school? (laughs) And Shiloh's like, how did you even know that? And he's like, this isn't the first conversation we've ever had, kid. It's just the first you're going to remember. And Oberon kind of goes in and puts on an old school movie reel and turns out that it's, uh, it's Thaddeus Brown. He's sitting here drinking his alcohol, talking about how he's getting harsher and harsher. Or he's just getting older and older. But talking about how Shiloh needs to know what he's about to tell him. And he talks about how you know when he was young, um, when he decided to be Mr. Miracle. You know, times were different, and talks about uh, how you know back then things were different in the '60s. And the sanitation workers had gone on strike. And the only place where, uh, at the time, the only place in Metropolis where a black family could even live in relative peace. You know, they don't call it Hobbs anymore, though. They refer to it as a suicide slum. And he's like, I'll never get used to that name. Tell her how all the garbage men have been iced out of their new contracts, promising raises and better benefits. And the moment the black workers made their demands public, it sent a city into a tailspin of racial resentment and anger. It's People of Hobbes.
1: It's it's sorry. It's definitely a uh, reminiscence of uh, Black Wall Street and um, a lot of different like uh, historical like moments in Black history here. And they've got a kick-ass superhero here, and I'm I'm loving how they're focusing on just this one man and this one like lineage.
3: Yep, and it's sad, he says, just like, I knew I had to do something, you know, my celebrity status as Mr. Miracle would get eyes on the struggle, hopefully change minds, and maybe even save some lives, as the discovery of Mr. Miracle did it for me. And then it goes into how he had actually, was, he was at his grandmother's house in uh, Frederick, Maryland, mm. and he was he was, you know, devouring science novels, but he was out playing one day. And he basically found this mother box, and he didn't—he didn't know what it was, but he was—he was interested enough to to mess with it like kids do. And little by little, he would unlock secrets with it. And one day, he was walking with his grandma, and these men with white hoods surrounded him, and somehow he was able to utilize the mother box. To protect him and his grandmother, and he decided that's how he decided he was going to do something with this this newfound gift he was given, because he didn't have any other way to become a success. So he talked. these title spending countless hours following the exploits of Harry Houdini. You know, he, and he was talking about how you know while he was doing this, it was difficult to get away with it in a family of fundamentalist Baptist. You know, and they ended up, his family ended up moving to Metropolis looking for greater opportunities. And then he ended up running into somebody named Jacob Caulfield, who was a television producer looking for new talent. And he wanted to, you know, to put Thaddeus on TV. And Thaddeus was like, you really want, you know, someone like me on the TV? And he's like, you know, the only the only color I care about is green, kid. You know, <laughs> black people are buying television sets as well as anybody else, and they need someone to look li- look at that looks like them. Mm-hmm. So they ended up putting him on TV, and he became just a superstar.
1: At least he was being honest.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Boy, he was able to put everyone, you know, put him in a position to make money, and he was able to make money with him. You know, and we get tour buses, and we travel around. You know, he even he even eventually got married to a lady out of a, who was a singer in a Baptist church. You know, and they ended up having a having a daughter named Rose together. And then we turn around, and Shiloh just starts crying because he realizes his mother's name was Rose. And then, and then Oberon's like, "What do you know about your parents?" And, like, he kind of lifts up his head and he's, well, openly weeping. And he's talking about how his parents disappeared when he was a child and he was adopted by a foster family who happened to know Thaddeus Brown and felt he'd be a good mentor. And Oberon's just like, you know, that's a great story, but why would Thaddeus entrust the greatest secrets to a kid he'd never met? Seems like a valid question to ask. You know, we go into uh, go into it a little bit more, and then talks about how his wife was sick, and uh, that his wife was sick, and she had one wish to see her, to see Rose, their daughter, married to a good man. And Rose did. She ended up meeting a guy named Solomon Norman, who was a police officer in the Metropolis Police Department. You know, unfortunately, his wife died before he got to meet their grandson who was a cute little boy they named Shiloh. Hmm. So it turns out that Thaddeus Brown is actually Shiloh's grandfather.
1: That was a great reveal. Like, I, I, hmm. I was so engrossed in the story, I didn't see it coming. Others might have seen it, but I was, I was lost in the story. I was just, just keep giving me more. This is wonderful.
3: Yeah, I know. And then he talks about how uh, Thaddeus is going off, about how all the power in the universe, and he couldn't keep his wife alive. Because he became too distracted and lost, and he got irresponsible. And turns out he left his mother box where Shiloh could find it. And being a child, Shiloh messed with it, and he ended up teleporting his parents away. And unfortunately, um, they couldn't find the coordinates to where Shiloh's parents went, so they never found their found his parents again. You know, he, uh, thought he's tried to search for him, but then he starts going off about how the film's getting low, and they, they've got to hurry through this. And you know, he's like, you know, Oberon, this was your one job to make sure we had enough footage to record my memoirs. Sure. Impossible to find good help these days. You know, I took, I attempted to track down the coordinates, but there was some kind of quantum temporal interference that obscured their final destination. And he looks at the he looks at the camera and he's just like so. I hope now, so now you know the truth. I hope it brings you a teaspoon of comfort, because I haven't. And then it just stops. The reel just ends. Out of film And then uh, Oberon talks about how taught you taught you everything you know about the Mother Box, but not everything he knew. And he's just like, you know, Shiloh's just like, does it matter? And he's like, look over here. And there's this gigantic box, the Mr. Miracle Machine. I'm going to refer to it as, you know. Still, he got gotten a raw deal. And he's like, Thaddeus' guilt consumed him, and he believed his redemption was passing on the mantle to you. There's a multitude of secrets yet to uncover. The whole thing coming into, basically, you have to accept who you are and love yourself to put yourself into this life stream so that you can basically become one with the mother box. You know, and he's trying to get Shiloh to kind of accept himself and Shilo just throws it down. Cause he, he can't get it to work. And he's talking about, you know, you're a little troll and you don't even know me. You know, my entire life I've been treated like trash since the age of 15. I've been seen as a gangbanger, a thug, a robber, a rapist, a crook, everything except a human being. You know, I don't know what loving myself even means. I've been perpetually judged from a perspective of fear.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: All I know is to work to prove that I'm not like the others. And what does that get me? You know, Thaddeus' generation fought and died in the streets only for the cycle to repeat over and over again. We're still dying in the streets. I hate living like this. And apparently that is what made him you know, become one with himself accepting that, that thought process, you no, know, and then, then you hear out of, out of this box, you know, don't fight for justice, if you can't expect, if you expect applause, I, I, altruism itself should be its own adequate reward.
1: I actually wrote that in my journal as something that's going to be in my, uh, like, follow that, the altruism is, there's the, the fake people, the virtue signalers out there that uh like tell you about all the the charity they do and that's that's not the point here and that I love the way they, they worded that um but before before we get to the end here I, what what is this that he's constructing here that this box Because so I'm not very familiar with anything mr. miracle because he's constructing something that is obviously what restoring the his powers or something like that because
3: throughout the well, it, issues, it's fixing uh, it's fixing the um the urn Thaddeus' ashes were in is what the machine's actually doing. So it fixes it just for him to throw it again, but this time it stops itself. And he's just like, you know, truth is I did this for the most selfish reasons of all. He's like, I just wanted to be loved unconditionally. And that's when everything opens up to him. And you can hear the words of his grandfather him to throw off the shackles of negative expectations. Define yourself on your own terms, Shiloh. Bigotry is a projection, not a truth. And he's just like, Grandad? And, you know, we see, almost see them merging into one. Time about the first step of this journey of discovery is staring down the beast of self-doubt residing in all of us. Admit you know nothing, that becomes the key to universal understanding. What lies beyond the source cannot be grasped until you cross the threshold of empathy and forgiveness. Once you figure that out, you win. Remember, you're only human.
1: That, well, he, he wh- whispers to himself forgiveness. That's, uh, of all the things we talk about in the, the great advice we've gotten through such great books like this, self forgiveness is something that is a big deal that I think most people have trouble str- or struggle with because I think that's what keeps people, like, really down. And I think that was just a little bit of a, a breadcrumb there of, like, of, of starting that part of a storyline or just having it be a, a, a good focal vibration of, as things go because he's fucked up constantly through throughout the past, uh, you know, three issues. He's made mm-hmm. non-stop mistakes. And the, the way he, he found his truth, the, the way that they, they wrapped everything together, that, you
3: know, his his history and that like... Yeah, it's been everything. The first three issues have basically been building to this moment. You know, the whole thing with uh, the girl in the first issue, just him constantly screwing up. You know, him obviously screwing up with Never Fear... You know, and now, you know, him, you know, getting his ass beat and almost killed for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then here comes Oberon to save him. But all he's doing is, you know, again, revealing more truths. So that way, you know, Shiloh can kind of come to come to terms with, you know, what happened to him. Because he had, he had no prior knowledge of this. To him, Thaddeus Brown was just a guy that helped him. You know, and then he turns around and finds out this, this guy's his grandfather. And find out that you know him and his grandfather, as great of a man as he was, you know, got ahead of himself, made mistakes, and you know, unfortunately, cost his grand his grandson his parents. You know, and unfortunately, well, we find out as soon as he finally becomes one with the mother box that there's more bad news ahead, because turns out that Never Fear is heading to New Genesis. And Shiloh asks, you know, what's a new Genesis? Mm. And Oberon responds with, kid, you're going to really regret asking that question. As we see Never Fear and their followers fighting with Orion in space.
1: Some Jack Kirby shit, baby.
3: Exactly. Going straight up fourth world on this. Yeah,
1: Jack Kirby's where it's at.
3: <clears throat> yeah, we have another, another over-the-top emotional issue, so it's kind of, like we like we've were talking, DC is masterful at that.
1: You gotta have all the above when it comes to DC, but plus, the artwork was phenomenal. Like, I, I really, oh, yeah. it was such a different style, it was kind of a little bit scratchier than what we're used to, it wasn't like, you know, every face was like perfectly, like, lit. No, it was, everything was just its own style, and I, I really want to see more of it.
3: Yeah. Plus, we got the uh the cover is amazing because we got Oberon, we got Mister Miracle, we got a whole theater thing here. Mm-hmm. But fun enough, you know, Mister Miracle and Oberon are the only two characters in color. Everything else is completely black and white.
0: oh all right.
3: So it's just kind of a super interesting cover. Like it's that that one kind of that one issue. Like you're gonna look at like you're on the comic shelf and freaking you're looking at like 20 30 different comic books and you're not sure which one you're going to get this one this cover is going to stand out
0: quick, Okay
2: quick. yeah we got a minute yep. I got it I got it you Got it you take it brother. We took a second we went to the toity. we hit the head Um Yeah we were uh you know we just needed a snack Basically um I've been looking at some what you said deep dive I like that I forgot that I started reading the nineteen eighty seven Silver Surfer works uh, some time ago. There is just something I miss about that time period. Something about the particular type of penciling, the inks, the lettering, the storylines, the, the the contiguous nature of a finite Marvel universe. You know, Jim Shooter is involved in this so at a certain point it's questionable like how to you know to what end is uh you know where are we with new universe what's what's going to happen with that is that gonna be a big problem is it going to be awesome like i like going back and looking at these limited ability time periods how much how heady can the story get um without it like branching out into everything else that's going on so you know i don't know how long it had been off the top of my head since there was a consistent silver surfer book before this one came out but i read number one a couple of months ago and uh i was like oh yeah no i'm gonna go on with this but i didn't get around to it so i just picked it up and i was like oh yeah you know what that's in there uh so I'm, I, you know, I'm looking for the single issues, but I actually read this on the Marvel app, and it's good. It's, it's a good transfer. The colors are fantastic. Uh, I'm going to say if you can find the physical issues of back issues, go and get them and make that part of the excitement. You know what we're talking about earlier with uh, everybody having uh, a full run of something. I mean, you're going to feel the accomplishment. Right. But things being what they are, you know, it was COVID, and I wasn't running around looking for single issues at the time. So I started reading this. Uh, The first issue just has, you know, Silver Surfer doing his thing. He's still trapped on Earth uh, because he wanted to quit being the Herald of Galactus. So he's been stuck on Earth all this time, and uh, he keeps trying to escape. It can't be done. The Fantastic Four show up. They're like, hey, what are you trying to do? And. It's like, of course I'm trying to leave, but, you know, I can't do it. And they're like, oh, we'd miss you if you did. But, boom, Champion shows up. Who the frick is Champion? He's one of the Eternals. There are a bunch of Eternals. And they all are characters from the beginning of our universe. They are the last remnants, the most powerful remnants of their species in the universe.
1: What the movie that a lot of people aren't giving a shit about right now that's about to come out? Uh,
2: maybe like maybe those no, there aren't those Eternals necessarily. Uh, these are like um, that's the thing. I don't know. Like, yeah, I've seen those trailers and I still don't. I'm not. If you're not going to step in and do something with all of that crap going on, then what good are you? You better have a way to explain that. Uh, and they're talking about the Deviants and all this other stuff, but whatever. These are not those Eternals. This is the Thanos Quest Eternals. These are the the Keepers of Infinity Gems Eternals. We're talking about Tanelir Tavan, the Keeper, or the, the Collector. We're talking about the Grandmaster. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Champion, Runner, the Gardener. Etc. So this champion shows up, the fights the Silver Surfer, and they're like, "Oh, he's able to leave Earth suddenly." So let's see if I can shoot past that. There we go. So what is it? What is the Silver Surfer going to do if he's allowed to leave Earth? Finally, he's going to be like, "Hey, I bid you all farewell. Thank you. You've been great hosts. I got to go home." So he whips off to go to. Uh, Uh, see his lost love shalabal and he gets the you know and he's he's back on his home world and she's the empress this isn't even really their home world anymore like it's been irrevocably altered since galactus showed up there and now his law his his long lost love cannot love him back because she is too busy being the leader of their people Mm -hmm. and he's like okay fine so i guess i'm gonna take off like this is all i had like the silver surfer is this long suffering character you know he's a guy who shows up and you in in like silver or in uh fantastic four like 48 49 50 the whole galactus saga and is he a bad guy is he a good guy you can't really tell but he ends up being somebody who's like, I'm, I'm going to fight you over this Galactus. I am supposed to serve you in reparation for you not destroying my home. Or home. Mm-hmm. And he's been given power cosmic. So you know he is unbelievably powerful. And he knows it. But he never lets this go to his head. But he is, like I say, long-suffering. Because in trade-off for not... Uh, for not letting Galactus eat Earth. He gets stuck there. He can't get past a certain level of the atmosphere. You know, and I mean, like, what does anybody today... Re- how are they, How are we really aware of this character any longer? He is underutilized, except for the fact that he is just, you know, out in the space ways. And he just pops up in a lot of weird places. I think the time has passed... That the Silver Surfer is somebody who can be utilized as a protagonist of his own book. He is at his best. Yeah, I think he is at his best showing up and bringing gravitas to somebody else's story. Hey, I'm a Guardian of the Galaxy. I'm out here doing something. It's a big deal, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the Surfer is here. He's joined our cause. We stand a way better chance of winning now. And that's a realistic approach. Because mm-hmm. the Guardians are powerful, but they're not like all powerful. And every once in a while, they do something crazy, and they're like all powerful for a minute. But like when you bring the bring the Silver Surfer in, you're supposed you're bringing the power cosmic to the table. So it's always interesting as I've been reading these stories. The surfer is out in the universe and he's really, really powerful, but occasionally someone can knock him so hard that he thinks he's dying. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you? or you know, are they just more capable because they are more powerful? Basically, he's always going to be asking these questions, what's the limits what are the limits of my abilities? And the best thing he's got going for him is that everybody has this idea of who he is. Hey, you were Galactus Herald. Maybe you fell out of favor with Galactus. Well, I know something you don't know, and that's that Galactus loves me more than any of his other heralds, but I don't have to tell you that, and I'm going to fight you, and, you know, I have that on my side, whatever that amounts to. And it's like sometimes it feels like his confidence is built around his total centered understanding of who he is and what he's capable of, and going out and doing... I'm, the best that he can, being a force for good in the universe, he gets into a lot of antics. And he gets into a lot of bigger stories than uh, he's propelling. He's a cosmic reactionary. He's not a character that's going out and starting shit. But like, what I appreciate about this book so far, four issues in, is the the developmental process of hey, the, the Skrulls just figured out in 1987 we can't shapeshift anymore. Something happened to that gene in our in our bodily system, and if the Kree find out about it, this peace between us is all over. They're just going to steamroll us. They're not going to be afraid that we've infiltrated their society and every other society. They're just going to come after us. So it's weird because this this story has a very conflicted focal point there are multiple storylines going on and the surfer is always doing something he's out there trying to figure out who he is and what he's got to do now and how do i explore my future because i just dealt with this whole weird situation or whatever he's always like i say long-suffering but uh, but cosmic events are always building that he's going to have to get involved with and in so doing, you get into these crazy pages where it's like, "Here are the players," you know.
1: Is that? I mean, a... go...
2: huh? What year Which is ones? that book? This is all 1987.
1: Okay, gotcha. For some reason, it made me think of All, all Red for for a reason.
2: Oh yeah, but uh, let me shoot past this stuff. Uh, at the end of, by the end of the uh, the fourth issue. The surfer has been knocked into a mountain on a planet he never meant to go to, and he's rescued by Mantis, of all people. And she's like, hey, here's what I know about you. Have I got the story right? Uh, yeah, kind of. Here's what I know about you. Oh, no, you're all wrong. So Mantis, the, annoying, the most annoying of the Avengers, uh, because of the way that she insists upon speaking of herself in the third person— details her entire history, because that was the crazy thing. We didn't have the Internet in 1987. We didn't have um, a giant backlog of information on Wikipedia and 44 other resources that we could find. If you were going to introduce a character into a book that didn't necessarily have a reason to be there except that you wanted to do something with them, Mm -hmm. you had to spend three or four pages reiterating everything that they'd ever done to bring the reader up to speed so that you could go on with the next issue. So that's why they're just retelling. It's like every issue of this book retells the last – for like two or three pages, the last – several things that happened in the story to bring the reader up to speed. And that's the eighties that's eighties and seventies and sixties concurrent storyline. At a certain point, you just have to like go at it and say, okay, well we hope that everybody's been reading this, but if you haven't smiling Stan says, go back and check out silver surfer number two or whatever, or Jim Shooter said, you know, whatever. And it's like, so the crazy thing about this the surfer getting knocked into a mountain the surfer getting rescued by mantis mantis who what the last time we saw mantis before this issue was the celestial madonna saga wherein she became the person who was going to create the super being and she was tied in with the kotati so if you remember the empire storyline with the y mm-hmm. empire mm-hmm. recently and i think it was last year, it was last the, year. Whole co- the whole the whole kotati thing this is the whole deal. Mantis being involved with the swordsman who was dead, but reanimated by freaking tree aliens that are involved, with the Kree and blah, blah, blah. It was terrible. Nobody cares. And that's never going to go anywhere. But oddly enough, it has its roots 30 years ago. And that's that to me is why there is a fascinating degree of contiguous storytelling that we can always go back to, that start, that Marvel writers can always go back to and try to find it. Well, let's just, uh, well, let's roll the dice on this one. Does it? Did anybody care then? Honestly, I bought a Celestial Madonna trade paperback, a collection of that storyline. When did I was you like, buy it? Okay. Oh, I God, it was like twelve years ago or something. It was about the time I moved back here, and it was just because, like, every comic book store I went to had five or six of these things on the rack. They couldn't even, you couldn't move them. And suddenly it's like, okay, well, you know, you don't want that for $24 anymore. You want that for 19 You want that for 16 You want that for $350. What? I'm like, okay, whatever. I bought it for 350 And I read it and I was like, okay, I think I got this Mantis thing handled. And then 10 years later, you've forgotten all about it because how relevant is it? And then, boom, there's this big dumb Katati storyline. And here it is in really good artwork, in this book, a retelling of the Celestial Madonna saga in, like, three pages. And it's freaking rad. And I don't know why. I like it way better here than any other time I've ever read it. And I think it's just because it's, like, not not overly verbose, mm-hmm. as I have become. But, uh, you know, my favorite thing about this is that Mantis needs needs a ride. The surfer's got a surfboard, and he's like, let's get out of here. We'll get thank you for saving my life. We'll go figure out what's going on with these eternals. And they get to a planet and they realize all of the eternals who are alive, even if they don't like each other are having a meeting and they've got a plot. They've got some kind of ploy, some kind of crazy scheme in mind that they're trying to do that is gonna change the fate of the universe somehow and i haven't even figured it out yet sorry i'm trying to zip through those pages really quick like i said i was reading this on the app and it's like the crazy thing about this book too is that you could be reading and you're like okay this is what i'm supposed to be reading and then it comes in with another plot line and you're like oh yeah i was reading about that and then you re- go into this other thing and it's like this is jarring why did they just do there's a there's a there's a uh, a celestial like what the what is that going to be all about and they're like we're going to tell you about this later. And you're like, what? Like, you really just, that's the seed you're dropping? Mm-hmm. You gutsy jerkwads. I can't believe you pulled that shit. So, you know, yeah. And then the, the one thing I got to say, and it's not necessarily lazy, is that when we get into this business where all of these different uh, celesti- or uh, eternals are being depicted, they're in monochrome. Look at that coloring. Can you guys see that? They're yeah. all monochrome. I dig it. And I'm like, well, okay, I, I like this. It's very watchman. Yes. It it totally works, but well, then I realize Well then you're gonna talk about secondary gimmick. colors. Look, it's a gimmick because God help us, we can't possibly every page draw all of these super duper colorful outfits out and mm-hmm. expect it to work out. It would have cost Way too much. So when you think of a silver surfer that's flying around the spaceways and he's got these elaborate illustrations of the cosmos and like, what? how can we depict crazy things going on in space? But you have this monochrome character who is legitimately chrome colored. So it's just black and white. A whole lot of the book. So when he goes to a world, they make it really poppy and beautiful in multiple colors and these crazy biomes and... Uh, uh, ecological areas but when we get to this thing and it's like oh these guys should be just over the top colorful and stuff they don't do it and i'm like uh i know why you did that and i appreciate it from a business sense but on the other end you know i'm look I, I, i'm look i'm gonna read all of these i'm just gonna keep going with it if i could find these all in single issues i'd probably pick them up if I could go if I could go to a store and they have like yeah there's 50 silver server issues from 1987 through 1990 or whatever I'd be like oh give me that brick boom you guys know I got those quasar books that way so anyway mm-hmm. quasar <laughs> what an insane bunch of stuff that is All right yeah that's what that is I'm, I'm going to keep reading it it's Freaking vintage Silver Surfer. How can you say no?
1: It made me think of of that song from the Animatrix, the the Who Am I? It seems like it's a constant battle of who he is.
2: I know. Yeah. Hmm. I totally agree. Who am I? What am I going to do? How am I going to carry on? You know, at a certain point, I think the Silver Surfer would just say, you know what, take the Power Cosmic from me. I've been through a lot. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of good. Let somebody else carry on with the power cosmic and let me go home and be mortal and come to my appropriate end, you know, with whomever.
1: You know, it's funny you say that because the (coughs) ending of Way of X, of what it builds to, is pretty goddamn similar.
2: Oh, really? With whom? Uh, uh,
1: David Holler. Legion.
2: David Holler? I used to know that guy. I went to church with him.
1: Well. He dated his daughter. Does he have an an infinite amount of uh, uh, split personalities?
2: Maybe a couple. Maybe Maybe a couple. couple. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't seen him in decades.
1: Well, give us some Wave X, brother.
2: All right, we got some Wave X3 here.
1: Yeah, we held off on it last week because uh, Tony hadn't gotten it yet, so we're, we're stoked
0: about it.
2: All right. So, uh...
3: As we left in issue four, uh, Onslaughted revealed himself and murderized everybody.
2: <laughs> murderized it was like
1: sixty people or seventy? Was it in that one? In that
3: one? Sixty-three dead, mostly yeah. Beta and Gamma priority. But we see, uh, we see Charles Xavier being reborn.
2: Well, that's, big, yeah. that's, that's bound to happen. Yeah. Oh, fuck that guy. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But all these others are being reborn as well, and they all have this thought in their head, and they're not, and they're talking about throwing a party, and the party's going to be called the Crucible, or the Crucible Ball, pardon me, Crucible mm-hmm. And they're just like, as Professor X puts on his X helmet, he's, he looks at the white cream and is like, you know, who did this? Who killed these people? Uh, and we go to the next scene, and we see Legion with Zorn and Zorn, and he's meditating.
2: And That's not Magneto in disguise, Zorn. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I get
3: it. Now, Magneto's on file. Do have- he murdered the Scarlet Witch right in front of Josh. Right in
1: front of me.
3: I missed doesn't it even, doesn't even remember it
1: totally didn't remember it god damn it I was like when did she die I've been reading all these goddamn books I don't remember her dying god damn it
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but nonetheless we're on Arako formerly Mars the summit of Olympus Mons Ooh. and you know Legion's sitting there meditating with his two zorns around him and as Professor X comes up then one of the Zorans is like, "We humbly request you keep your hands and your brain where we can see them." <laughs> We've been asked by David to secure while he builds. Professor like, builds, builds what? And they're just like, "We don't know. We don't know if he knows." And Professor Estranda talked to his son telepathically, and you know, Zoran's just like, "You know, we can't even. We can't I guarantee he'll listen." He's pretty busy right now trying to build whatever he's trying to build. Mm -hmm. And the whole time, David's trying to telepathically talk with Nightcrawler. Talking about Onslaught, you know, the person that killed everybody, murderized them, as it were.
1: Murderized
3: him. Murderized. And he's talking about how he can feel him, and he's getting stronger. And Professor X is trying to openly talk to David as well as talk to him telepathically. But all David is doing is, you know, talking to Nightcrawler while he's meditating. Talking about how he's slithering through mines, leaving a spore. But there's a core somewhere in Anchor. And we can't, we won't beat him until we find it. And as as his father's inches away from his face, yelling at him, talking about, are you even listening to me, David? And then David responds with, are you listening to me, Nightcrawler? And Nightcrawler's over here trying to separate Lost from Fabian Cortez.
0: Oh, I love
2: Fabian Cortez.
3: Yeah, that's a that's a one we haven't seen for I feel like decades.
2: In all honesty, I don't know. I have a hero clip of him from like 2003. Well,
1: until so, nice. the Krakoa events, but even then, like actually him being a, a, a character has something to do with the story. This is, I think, my favorite part of the. Of the of why I like Way of X so much is because the the fact that this is a legit book with Nightcrawler taking the helm. It's not one of those uh, pull your heart strange things like where they're. Uh, manipulating you, like you're you're getting to see him develop a religion, like like this scene here with uh, with Lost and Phoebe Cortez reminded me of Solomon. You know, okay, we're gonna cut the baby in half, if uh, like not that exact situation, but figuring mm-hmm. out figuring out a mental way to get these people to talk and and to 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 get over their petty bullshit, to overcome their ego and whatever it is that is causing them from. Not being brothers in the first place, we're watching Nightcrawler write the the book of X. Like you know, that's why it's Wave X. And uh, what he does when he Tony, you do it. You're going to do better at saying it than I have. It's been like two weeks since I read it.
3: <laughs> but I yeah, know. The whole thing with Fabian and Loss is that Loss blames Fabian for ruining her life and screwing up her memories. And Fabian's just kind of tired of it. He's like, I don't care. He throws a knife at her Nightcrawler you know, teleports in front of the knife and, you know, grabs a board and kill lost, you know, and she, he's just like, I brought you two people to reconcile to me in the middle, not to kill each other. It's like, you know, they're both just like, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, dying doesn't matter, you know? And he's like, of course it does. Of course it has to, you know, if, if dying doesn't matter, then why would living matter? Which kind of seems to be the heart of the book. Let me go back to uh, David meditating while Professor X is trying to talk to him, and he's you know Professor X, you know Professor X, much like Beast in X Force, has definitely kind of taken on a much harder edge. Like for all the thought process, Professor X just being this magnificent magnanimous man that goes out of his way to help people and do only good. He's kind of a shit father.
1: He's a hundred percent of a shit father. This scene here, where he's like begging him, like talk to me, talk to me. You're have you ever have you ever gotten someone to open up by you clamming up, and then, and it just makes them escalate and escalate and escalate to where they did they show their whole hand. Like I think that's what I feel like that's what happened here.
3: I could definitely see it. You know, he's just like, you know, I'm not even going to show. You. I can't sugarcoat this, David. You're unstable. You know, do I blame you for that? No, never. But if, you know, it's a fact and we can't ignore it, you know, the damage you've caused, the damage you could cause, you know, protecting Kakoa has become my priority. You have to understand that, you know, respect the sacred land. That's the law. You know, I can't stop the I can't stop you from coming back to Earth, but I'm asking you not to. And he's just like, it would disappoint me, David. And the whole time he's just completely ignoring his father, just going on this rant. And he's just, you know, mentally talking to Kurt, trying to get Nigroli to, you know, get this handled. You know, he was like, "I told you to focus on the laws. You know, I was wrong. I'm not great when it comes to people. You know, I know that sometimes, you know, I treat people like things, and then I get, I get surprised when they break. You know, I, I screw. I mean, he basically wholeheartedly admitting he's a screw up. To his one and only friend, while his father is just berating him. You know, and he's just talking about, you know, talking about his dad. He's like, which part is his dad's way, you know, skipping corners and shrugging at the trauma long as he gets what he wants. You know, we have to be better than him, you know. And he's just like, please, Kurt, help me be better than my father. And then he's just like, and I is just like, enough. As like, Lost and Fabian Cortez are still fighting. He drags them, grabs them both, teleports them 10 kilometers above Mars. And he's like, you're falling to your deaths, you know, and he's like lost gravity, lost gravity powers. will, I think allow her to slow her descent and anyone else that she may choose to help. Like, except I don't know if, you know, I don't know if you going to help you or not, baby, and you better figure this out, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, even if you guys die, yeah, you'll be reborn, but man, is this going to hurt. You know, and then, he's, and then he turns around and he's like, you know, yeah, you could die, you could be reborn, but you have to remember, I'm a member of the Quiet Council, you know, and everyone, as everyone insists that I'm the kind one, but I'm, I'm huh. sick of, you know, I'm sick to my heart of, when, you know, what is happening to my people, you know, and I can make it take quite a while for you guys to work your way up that list to be reborn. So you better, you guys better figure this out.
1: They mentioned in the latest Cable uh, that he, uh, you know, Kid Cable's all grown up. That mutants didn't stop death; they just gave it a quick little break here, and you know we'll get to that later because he's he's talking to you as the as the reader. There's all these little like instances yeah. here, and they're, they're building toward it to where it's you can't just. They they're really showcasing like yeah fuck it we'll just you know like in like what was it in Hellions that were, were they, they're like yeah fuck it you know we'll just get reincarnated we give you a shit you know no it it, it matters Night it, it, Nightcrawler is recognizing this is one of the worst things that they could have done especially what it's doing for their psyche like it's put them on this huge pedestal and go fuck about anything anymore like they, they're the 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 nerdy kid that you know became a, a millionaire uh designer has superhero uh, super model life and you know all of a sudden he thinks this shit don't stink no more and we've got this major issue here that it still does and we have an enemy that we can't see or touch or smell but he knows what we're thinking and then just like when they're falling man like just like no it's a just like it's like, because it's hard to do that. Because he's the '90s, he's the '90s like over-the-top villain that they've been really careful not to use for a really long time.
3: Yeah, I can't remember the last time we had anything to, you know to do with Onslaught. I think
1: it was Axis when they brought Onslaught oh, back gross. for a, for a little bit, and that that story was garbage. That, that was a terrible. Axis was, was
2: terrible. Yeah. Was it? A, was <laughs> that a
1: summer event? Yeah,
2: so. it's like a 19... Or a twenty 20... I want to say
1: 2014. 2016, 20, 2016 yeah. 20... Who gives a rip? Yeah, who gives a shit. But yeah,
3: sorry, Tony. I didn't. I, I, I get off tangents. Apologize. Right, you're good, man. Yeah. Like I said, you know, Onslaught's in the background. Next, you know, Fabian grabs Lost and he starts over-supering her powers to the point where he basically burns her out. You know And then they're, they're all still falling You know people can People can see him coming And we've got this uh one of the moons Is coming towards towards Mars And we see all the people trying to run And there's one guy being like That's all you got You know everybody's you know Professor X is looking at his son Touching his face crying And is just like you know I just touched my dad's mind Just for a moment He'll oppose my resurrection if I die here. Another we took on the get therapy chart there. But it's you worse know, than we thought, you know. The shadow's in him too, which means the onslaught's inside of him. It's bloody resurrection, isn't it? You know, that's where onslaught's getting in. He's getting in during the resurrections. You know, he's like, he's eating the off cuffs, you know, those, uh, those wee bits of lost life. Because they've talked about how, you know, there's a point between you dying and you being resurrected. That, like, things go back and you don't, you end up before, you come back before you would have died. Right. And he's eating those little bits of life, and that's where where he's getting stronger.
1: Like why they keep coming back just a little bit different.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what what he's surviving off of, basically. Oh, he's (laughs) bulldozing. Yeah. He's eating the parts of us that don't come back. That's what's making him strong. And he leaves parts of himself to fill the gap. So the whole thing is that that's that's how onslaught's you know surviving and thriving,
1: and controlling everybody, especially the the people that I keep getting brought back are the good they're the good, they're the elite they're the all elite mutants <laughs> they, get, yeah. they get pushed to the to the front of the resurrection line here and
2: uh, the one
1: ninety
3: eight, you know and this this moves coming towards Fabian and Nightcrawler and he's you know you, know, it, you can't you know what are we gonna do. And I just like boost me. He's like overload me and I can get us. I, I can make this disappear. And he's like, you can't do that. You know, you're insane. And he's like, you know, it'll go wrong, you know, and they'll say, I broke your dumb law and I killed you. I killed that woman. And they'll throw me in the pit. And Fabian just basically has a mental breakdown right now. And he's like, it's not fair. All I wanted was people to think I'm important or to like me. Is that so wrong? And I was just like, Fabian, how can we hope for the love of your people when you so plainly despise yourself?
0: <laughs> yeah, and
3: like he, yeah, he thinks about it, and then he just grabs Kurt by the face, and just starts overloading him. And Kurt just responds, I'm on fire, you know." And he's like, "What?" And I'm like, I, I see it. I see how we win. I see how we flourish. I see the path, the way just like, you gotta remember this because I'm gonna forget it when I die. And he just disappears, and then he turns around, and he jumps onto this moon and teleports it away about five times, saving everybody, but killing himself. And then he's just like, this is what you must tell me when I have walked through death. The unseen spark in all things. As, like, he basically freezes on top of this planet or this moon that he had to move to save and the next thing we see is a light at the end of a tunnel and nightcrawler comes out of an egg reborn professor f is just like welcome back old friend and he's and just like what happened and he's just like you died you died on purpose and he's like oh and church starts freaking out because that basically be suicide right and Lost comes back, you know, she's also recently been reborn. You know, you died, so it mattered. You saved millions of lives. And then he's just like, I need, I need to find Fabian Cortez. And Professor X is like, now that's that's where things get a little complicated. You'd best follow me. Oh. And we find Fabian just crying and turn. you know, Professor X is just like, we think all the effort did something to his brain. You know, apparently when he overloaded Nightcrawler, he just he fried his brain. He tried to, we tried everything we could think of. You know, euthanize and resurrect are the simplest options. And he's like, thank you, healer. But then he was fired from his post. And he does seem to have been responsible for today's drama. Professor X is just like, I'm afraid I don't think it's fair to keep prioritizing disruptive elements. Not with so many names on the list. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an overused axiom, 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 Kurt, but we can't really save them all. And you know, the last image is Professor X on a cliff, a la Lion King, and he's got a, a an image of Onslaught over him, like a mental, a psychic projection. And we just see all the children underneath him, all of them having psychic projections of Onslaught. And to be continued. To next Men: The Onslaught Revelation.
1: Man, I really oh, good I really hope I really hope this isn't the last issue of Way of X I hope they continue it wave x6 in a little bit because the the develop the, the development of the the mutant religion is I, I think is I think it's Hickman and all the writers and artists that are involved in this particular book really having a good time exploring what religion means and how it's uh, how it's formed and what sort of impact it should have on people and also getting to see a, a, a little bit of a window in, that we would never see before. Like, for example, you know that there's books out there that were considered to be part of the New Testament or the Bible just in general, but they were rejected for whatever reason. And now we're getting to see the, the decisions that are being made to make to make the religion. Unfortunately, uh, I really, you know, we've got Fabian Cortez, you know, knowing something that something extremely important that nightcrawler needs to know but it's trapped in his head and you either erase him and reboot or hope (laughs)
3: hope
1: you know put him in rice
3: (laughs) so we basically seen the Snyder cut of religion
1: yeah that's exactly (laughs) that's exactly what it is that's a great way to put it except a lot yeah pretty people leaving these guys alone it's totally mainstream but you gotta really pay attention to figure out why it even exists in the first place yeah exactly good good point
0: I don't think so.
3: Mm -hmm. It's a super interesting idea to be like, to, in theory, watch somebody put together a religion and see what needs to be in there and what needs to be not in there. And it's almost, it's, you know, kind of a redemption arc for Legion, Mm -hmm. while at the same time, freaking. It's an interesting take on Professor X to see what he has to do to keep this mutant nation together. You know, at the end of the day, is he going to, be going to want what Nightcrawler has to offer? You know, at the, at the end of the day, what does that mean if he rejects all the work that Nightcrawler put into this? Mm-hmm. Or if if David dies? You know, how much, how much work does that... How far did that put Nightcrawler's task back? Like, there's just a whole lot of really interesting questions in this book, and plus, plus, why you know, you know, the onslaught, you know, character we haven't barely seen in the last 20? 30 years
2: yeah. coming back. Yeah, it's been since the 90s, I think. Since
1: the 90s. Yeah, so 20 years, in, yeah, that little bit. And remember, they did when uh, there was that X Force. um, that X-Force gig they had to do, that that covert op mission where they broke into that warehouse that had all, like, random mutant relics, and there was the, they they showed the shell of uh, Onslaught's shell that had been uh, put back together. It was in that warehouse, all like, Indiana Jones-style.
2: Not having ever read that Onslaught, is he a mix between Magneto, Professor X, and Juggernaut?
1: No, it's just Magneto and it's it's just Magneto and Xavier. Uh, mm-hmm. All of their all of their stray thoughts. It's it's. I, I want to say it's a lot of the, the, the a, another yin and yang of them combined into one. Like where all the all the shit that Chuck you know holds back because he's got a dream and you know has mm-hmm. to do the right thing. All, all the anger that he never releases that Magneto mm-hmm. all 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 the time releases. You know, being you know Holocaust survivor. Uh, mm-hmm. trying to save mutants, destroy them, destroy humans, you know. Uh, it, it's, it's from what I remember and what I've read, it's it's a mixture of that. And it's an amorphous being that has to find some sort of a shell to use. Because if you, if you remember, that's how they had to destroy him before Heroes Reborn, was he made his final evolution and, like, out of the shell, but, you know, all the heroes had to, like, give him a body, pretty much, remember? And then X Men hit him as hard hit hit the you know the FF Captain America. I remember they all they all went into that into the um, into the psychic final evolution of Onslaught. You know, with the poor Franklin Richards in the middle, like being a little bit of a linchpin for it. So it's it's a lot to take in for Onslaught, and I'm really looking forward to what Hickman is going to do with it because. Uh, at first, you know, I would be like, nah, fuck Onslaught. Like, you know, the, I'm, I don't remember a lot that I really liked a, a, about him in the first place, but it'd be like back in the day when, like, uh, was it like eight, nine years ago when we were all pissed that Dan Slott was going to kill Spidey. And you just got to relax. The guy's, guy's got a handle on stuff. You know, let's let's give him a chance. And that's some fun. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's all right. Straczynski killed Spidey, too. Yeah, he did.
1: Straczynski's, man, I like the guy. I just... Not a lot stands out for me with him. Didn't he do like some Hellblazer for a while?
2: I don't know about that. You're the one with every Hellblazer issue. I'll,
1: I'll get, I'll get there. I'll get there. It'll be on the, <laughs> it'll, it'll be on the hunt. Um, anything left with Way of X, brother?
3: No, nah, man. I think that's it for most part. Yeah, freaking. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with it. Like this is one of those, this is one of those few books where you're, you're really kind of like, you're not sure where they're going to take it next.
1: Before we move on to anything else, the the one thing, the last book I have other than uh, King to Conquer, Colin will let you take reign on that one, uh, is Superman seventy eight. Uh, not the not the biggest fan of the Superman movies from back in the late, late seventies and all the like all the way to the, like eighties uh, like late eighties that sort of thing. Especially when they like brought Richard Pryor in, and it was pretty ridiculous. But it's on the same vein. <laughs> it's on the same vein of Batman '89, where they're continuing a story that they we is well documented that you know that they wanted to do. Like with Batman '89, you know they're going to develop the Two Face story with um, Billy D. Williams, and they, they they took a lot of little Easter eggs that you had to be paying attention to about the lore of uh, what Batman should have been had kim burton been let to do what he wanted to do like for example uh from what i understand the the costume that robin is wearing at the end of batman 89 is actually a what the costume marlon wayne's costume was going to be when he picked up robin and all all those little things but uh, it's a lot of fun obviously they're making it look you know starts out with a really nice heartfelt uh, uh devotion here to uh richard donner and it picks up where they would want to pick off from a Donner story in the first place after, uh, well, basically middle of two. And it was middle mm-hmm. of two, and um, we've got Brainiac on his way. And it's a lot of the little things about we've seen in popular culture dissecting what Superman is, and, you know, like at the end of like, Kill Bill, he's talking about how you know Clark Kent is actually the costume and uh, the real person is Superman. But we've got Brainiac coming.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know that much about about, like, the verse, that sort of thing, but it was a really great read, and I really hope everyone takes a chance to uh, check it out. Uh, Oh, what if... If Marvel's doing what if right now, which I hate... um, (laughs) um, This is a what if Richard Donner had been allowed to continue on with what the story is. What if Tim Burton was still doing Batman or got to do do part three instead of the monstrosities that we got after the fact? Mm But yeah, hit us with a uh, hit us with the Fantastic Four, and we'll wrap up with uh, Kane. because that was uh, that was
2: all fabulous. right. Uh, let's see here, yeah, Fantastic Four Life Story Number Three, the '80s. Okay, so I gotta say, the trend to doing these life stories mm-hmm. through the decades are fascinating and. The Spider-Man ones were balls-to-the-wall awesome every single issue. And uh, they were phenomenal additionally because for a legendary artist like Mark Bagley, who has had so many different massive storylines under his belt, I really saw his particular artistry in that um, mature in a way that I... Just couldn't even believe was going to do it. But this is not that. This is a completely different cast of uh, writers, artists, etc. This is Mark Russell writing with uh, artist uh, Sean uh, Um I mean, we're starting out... Okay, this is the 80s. So you've been following us, talking about this. It's through the decades. Basically, when... Reed Richards took the Fantastic Four into space in the first issue, nearly two issues ago. He came into a mental consciousness, some kind of telepathic consciousness with Galactus, and it has haunted him. It is his entire soul purpose, like foregoing... The best parts of being a parent, the best parts of being a husband, the best parts of being a friend, the best parts of being a scientist, it is his obsession, it is his entire life. We have got to find a way to save the world from Galactus. And literally, absolutely no one really, truly believes or cares enough about this. Ben Grimm, Johnny Storm, Sue Storm... No one else perceived this thing. And you got to imagine if your best friend in the world or if your husband or your wife or your father or your child
0: believed
2: absolutely that something that you could not believe was going to come to earth and destroy it or wreck it or consume it or whatever. And that's all they ever talked about. That's all their entire life is devoted to. A lot of us, we've got issues where we obsess over one thing. This person did me dirt and I'm going to get him. Or, uh, you know, I lost that court case or I got sued or I lost that business. People become disenfranchised. This is Reed Richards, the smartest man in the world, but he is coming off like someone who cannot find a way to capitalize on his good qualities because this is all he cared about. He's teamed up in this issue with Tony Stark, taking it to the White House and saying we can create strategic defense initiative, SDI, the Star Wars program, and we can defend the Earth. And they're all like, yeah, well, why aren't we focusing this thing on the Soviet Union, the Russians? They're the problem. (laughs) So, while this story is, I hope, and it would be fantastic if this was tied to the Spider-Man story that we got last year, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think this is its own entire continuity. Um, So, Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI, Star Wars, was a program of missile defense shields that was developed during the Reagan administration. And in 1980 and 1983, Ronald Reagan came on the air and said, we're going to develop this ability to stop Soviet missiles from hitting the United States before they ever get here. And the Soviets freaked the fuck out because they were like, uh, if these people can land on the moon. They can definitely do this. And so in the story, Reed Richards is the guy trying to design this. But Ronald Reagan is saying, yeah, well, you've never had any conclusive proof that there's any kind of Galactus out there. And you've been railing on this for 20 freaking years. And we've seen no evidence of it. So no one wants to pay for it. At the same time, Tony Stark is like, let me go in there and talk to them. I'm part of the military industrial complex. I can make this happen. But Reed is too pissed about the whole thing. He's like, I'm going to go off and do the real work. You can go back there and talk to the politicians. The other element of this story is that Franklin Richards is the only child of Reed and Sue before they split up. Sue uh-huh. is now Namor, the sub Of course she is. Because he can see her for what she is. You know, she's a brilliant, amazing human woman that he is absolutely enamored of. And it's always been that way. And uh, on the other hand, Johnny Storm is. uh, Johnny Storm is the narrator of this issue. He's seeing the world for what it is and what it could could have been and missing what it used to be when they were the Fantastic Four and they just aren't anymore. They're not four and they're not and they are, you know, they're fantastic but they're not four. Franklin is considerably grown up. He's over 10 years old now and he is experiencing his mutant
1: problem. Yeah, problems. I was about to ask is he still a mutant because he's not out yeah. on Krakoa anymore. Or ever, oh, okay. or, ever, or ever was. It turns out he, he's no, he never was a mutant in the first place.
2: He's got a scene in here where he's saying, my psionic powers, they just take over sometimes. They amplify everything happening in the brains of those around me. It overwhelms them and me. So he was apparently kind of up at the Xavier School to get this under control. But it's impossible. It's un- It's not something anybody can control. So Johnny is showing up and like bitting him out of tr- out of trouble and bringing him home and all this stuff and burning up the reports that need to go to f- go to Reed because he's being the good uncle or the the cool uncle or whatever. Um and of course and then you've got Reed Richards going on uh late night with, da- with David Letterman or whatever and um this other weird character who's like You can't do all of this strategic defense initiative without the computer software and hardware to make it work. So what we find out throughout the course of this story is that this other character turns out to be the Mad Thinker, one of the FF's, like, major character villains. So um, the whole, like I say, the whole haunting of the fact that Galactus is coming is Something that a lot of people are taking seriously, like Doctor Doom and like the Mad Thinker. And they're like, well, we have a different plan. And, you know, we can remake the world. Galactus is coming. We know it's got to be real because we got to take Reed Richards seriously. He's no idiot, but the rest of the world is starting to think he's crazy. And we're going to take him seriously. And what we're going to do is we're going to put our money into a fortification high up in the mountains. That we will be able to survive within, and we'll let the rest of the world get destroyed. And on the other side of that, they'll have us to lead them, control them, and save them. And they'll have to come to us, because otherwise there won't be any infrastructure left. And so that's their diabolical plot. Simultaneously, this is all part of the deal, is that he gets Dr. Doom out of jail from his attack on the U.N., but, uh, so this whole business gets going and then, you know, you get closer and closer to it. The, the world gets down to a nuclear exchange because of the software created by the mad thinker. They're like, it's kind of like watching, uh, X-Men first, first contact, X-Men first, uh, first class. First class. We're going to start a nuclear war to speed up the situation so we can get past it. And we'll be the ones who we save the Earth by making it a less desirable place for Galactus to show up. So and of course, in like X-Men First Class, you know, they're like, we'll start a third world war and then they'll have to come to us because we're the mutant leaders that we will be in charge. And finally, it'll be mutantdom that runs this planet. Well, they start the Third World War. The Soviets and the American missiles go up. The FF and a bunch of other guys like Thor and whomever, Iron Man, in his Silver Centurion costume. You know, uh, we see Spidey at the beginning of this book, and then it's a couple of years later, and he's wearing the symbiote. That's kind of awesome. We've got missile after missile after missile coming in, and the FF are going up there, and they're fighting it, and they're beating it, and the Avengers are going up there, and they're knocking missiles down, or they're diverting them, or they're taking care of them. And then finally, one of the crazy things that we find out about Johnny Storm is it's not only that he can become the flame, but he can take the flame into himself. We have one missile coming into New York, and it detonates over the New York, City and he takes it within himself and it kills him. It was just too much. And so we have we had the Fantastic Four back together for a moment, all of them going around doing it. Like Sue was like, I can't be with Namor anymore because he's like, Let's let's go to Atlantis. We'll get away from this. We know this is happening. And she's like, What about my son? And he's like, ah. Yeah, exactly. And she's like invisible and she's like i'm gonna go fight this so she goes out there and helps with her force fields and she goes out there and does what she can with ben Grimm and everybody but johnny is extinguished and he is killed and so the mad thinker is put in a latverian prison in perpetuity and johnny or i'm sorry and uh Reed and Sue and Ben and Franklin are all that's left of the Fantastic Four by the end of this story, by the end of the 90s, whatever year that happened to end up happening. I mean, it's a huge story. It's a big deal. Like when you look at the um, nuclear war that happened in the Spider-Man books, the Spider-Man life story, I can almost see this all coming together in a certain way to where these two stories would happen Contiguously, and I'm I'm willing to go back and reread the Spider-Man stories to see if these pair up properly, but I don't feel like they legitimately do. Uh, and that's that would be that would be it would be awesome. And too bad if they don't. But it would also be a lot because when you're going in and you're like making such a big deal about this guy's story and that guy's story, it's a lot for anybody to pay attention to and not all be under the same umbrella of the creative team. But uh, I'd like mad, insane props for it. But I'm excited for the next issue because it's got the cover has the uh, Silver Surfer on it and Galactus in the background. So. Hopefully, at least Silver Surfer will show up in this next issue, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys get to read this? you guys looking at this?
1: No, we didn't. I, I, no. I, I'm sorry, man, but every time you talk about ah. it, I'm like, I should have done it. I fell asleep. Nah, not at
2: all. Let me jump into the whole Kang thing.
1: Yeah, you, who, you're the one that needs to do that one, because I started, I, yeah. I got like, I had to read it, the, I read, the first time I read it, I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm reading. And the second time I read it, I, I was able to, like, really get into it. And I, I really like, it's full of potatoes, especially when you realize exactly what's going on.
2: Well, okay. In it, it, I, I'm simultaneously super excited about there being any good Kang material right now, especially having finally caught up. Like, I just watched Scarlet Witch, and, uh, or WandaVision. I just finished WandaVision. I just finished... Loki loved Loki. I'm watching What If and Falcon the Winter Soldier finally. Um, but Loki, uh, I'm all right, you know, uh, spoilers, here we go. Loki, uh, the deal is, of course, Kang. If you're going to be in a time thing, it's Kang. Correct. And a couple of years ago, you and I were talking, Joshua and I were talking, like, uh, you know, hey, best case scenario. Kang is the villain of the next Avengers movie, and they're bopping around in time, and they're going back and they're, like, we're revisiting all of these things, like Back to the Future 2. And, well, that's kind of what they did without Kang at all. But now they're like, Kang is the next big villain in Phase 4, right? Correct. And I'm like, alright, well, for one thing, I'm kind of disappointed that they've got a character playing Kang who's just kind of like oh, I'm goofy and weird, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, can, King is something we should absolutely take seriously. This is like one of the most important villains that you could possibly have, but you'd never know that he did anything because he can. he's manipulating time. So, I mean, page one... Kang is sitting there on his throne imagining all of these different things that happened in his time period and lamenting whatever. Next page, teen, young, like 14, 15-year-old Kang, Nathaniel Richards, is sitting there bemoaning his life in the 31st century where there is nothing going on and nothing to do and nothing to be bigger about. Like, imagine a whole world where everybody's just content to go along and do their menial little things. But then you've got one guy who's like, this is, I'm. this is just not enough for me. I should be doing bigger, more maniacal things, just crazy town shit. I should be conquering, winning. I should be beyond. And he's just clearly an intellectual of the problem. But, uh, you know, he, Break, he's like i'm gonna go fuss with latveria dr doom's castle like there's gotta be stuff there that can make it make me that can make anybody this astonishing as astonishing as is in my head but kang arrives and rescues this kid because there are um traps there's booby traps in there and stuff like that so kang arrives and it's like hey look basically you're me And doom has a lot to do with who we are. And I'm also pre existing in the ancient past and in the ancient, or in the like far, far, far future. I don't know what it's called. It's not ancient necessarily. So he reveals himself as Kang the Conqueror. You are going to become me and I'm going to train you. And this isn't uh, this crazy business where it's like I'm going to take you to the future and turn you into something amazing really quick. He's like, no, you have to have the qualitative. Experience. You have to go to the jungle with me. You have to subsist on nothing. You have to get the enzymes in your body that make you not susceptible to the problems. You know, you have to, you have to get the gut flora. You've got to get down to the cellular. Like you can't be destroyed because your future is so important and. So they go back to one year before the meteor is going to crash in and kill the dinosaurs. So they're coexisting with the dinosaurs. And some of them, they're like, okay, yeah, no, we're going to like use this dinosaur. We're going to ignore that dinosaur. We're going to evade this dinosaur. And uh, yeah, there are bacterias and viruses and stuff, and you're going to get exposed to that. It's going to make you unstoppable over time, but you have one year to make it work before we get destroyed here. And I'm like, well, that's a killer countdown right there. But all the while, Kang is always telling him like, you know, Hey, you survived this and you got stronger. And he's like, well, you know, this is something, this is my failing. This is someplace where I failed. I was defeated by these guys. I put myself in front of these guys and I failed. I was defeated. But I didn't let that stop me. I kept going because I know time. And I'm like, okay, well, now I can go back and I can change that and I can fix it. Like, think about how freaking crazy that is. You can fight somebody. You can fight somebody a dozen times. Tony could be in the ring. You could fight somebody a dozen times. And you could win or you can lose. But imagine being like, no, I can't lose because... Because we live in a linear time Mm -hmm. where we're just like, okay, next time I know, I'm going to do this. Or next time I know, I'm going to have three things to do to defeat this guy. But, like, Kang doesn't do that. He's just like, okay, I know how I lost, so I can fix it up. Oh, wait, I still lost. Fix it up. Oh, I won. It's just like, just this constant um, system of... Combat success. Well, Nathaniel is experiencing this guy telling him, here's how I failed, here's how I failed, here's how I failed, and it's starting to wear on him after so much time. Then he encounters a girl in the jungle who he instantly is like, does he fall in love with, or is he just fascinated? And Kang is like, no, you can't have any of that. You can't.
1: Do not fall in love. It was the one thing he told him not to do. Do not fall in love that will destroy you, but you're, you're glancing over a couple of, like, really important things here. I, I get what you're doing, but... You uh, we're, we're, hit me. Tell we're, me about we're, it. We're seeing all of Kane's failures. Like, I, I, he is constantly... I feel like this kid is probably one in a million he's brought to this time or other times to try to train him, showing him his mm-hmm. failure. So when eventually he turns on himself and, you know, perpetuates the time the timeline of what's going on, he'll know how to, how to win every single time the FF beats him or make sure that he saves either never, never falls in love or figures out a way to, you know, save his one true love. And... You know, there's no way, like, they, they make him to a drunk. Like, I, at first I was like, okay, like. Oh, that's right. That, that was one thing I yeah. was he like, is he, is he getting drunk? in the next page, like, oh, yeah, he's definitely, like, drinking himself to sleep every goddamn night. And then eventually the kid, you know, gets pissed off when, you know, Kang kills all of that, that tribe that he'd fallen in love mm-hmm. with and, uh, you know, takes the suit and, you know, takes off and ends up in the uh, Ramatet uh, era. Uh, th- there's no way Kang would have not anticipated, you know, that th- that was all set up for him to do that. Like, I'm surprised he didn't kill him in his sleep. Like, he he definitely put something in his alcohol to make him sleep longer and, you know, be able to do what he was going to do. But he doesn't kill him in his sleep. He takes the suit, leaves him there for the, the asteroid to show up, which does show up, which we don't know if uh, adult drunk passed out Kang is uh, alive and well or, you know, su- you know survived that or was anticipating the kid doing that. And maybe we're getting a glimpse into a a king where he's able to fix things or or, or make the things that he's so regretful for right. Um, But in order to do that, there's going to be a lot of time changes and what's going on with uh, Marvel
2: in the first place. Well, best case scenario, this is all pertaining to Iron Lad. Uh, Do you remember Iron Lad from Young Avengers in the Mm – Early two no. thousands. No, no, no. I am not, I'm not uh, of anything ending in lad or lass. Okay, go back. Okay, what you what you've got in about two thousand seven, two thousand eight was Young Avengers, and um, you just have this squad of kid of teen superheroes showing up, and they're all themed off of yeah. Mar of like the Avengers. So you had Cassie. Uh, What's it? Who was Hawkeye? Or I'm sorry, Cassie. What's it? Cassie was with stature. Stature, and you've got uh, um, Kate Bishop with Hawkeye. Kate Bishop, Hawkeye. You've got Hulkling. You've got Wiccan. You've got Iron Lad, and some other characters. And or Patriot. You had Patriot, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, who are these kids really? And every one of them had a crazy secret origin. That when you finally come come down to it, it's like. Okay, so Hulkling's not the Hulk. He's a Skrull. He can look like whatever he wants to look like. And Wiccan, Wiccan is, uh, he's Asgardian, and he can cast spells. So, but he is Doctor Strange in the future. And then, um, uh, you know, where does Cassie come from? Okay, Scott Lang's daughter and whatever. So this all blends together. Well, Iron Lad turned out, you kept thinking, oh, well, this guy's got to be related somehow to Tony Stark. No, it was Kang. Excellent. He was like, I am Teen Kang, and that was this secret I did not want to reveal to everybody. Simultaneously, Patriot was the grandson of Isaiah. Isaiah Washington. Yeah, Edward. from Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, let alone, you know, uh, Truth. Was the book that came out in the early two thousands, and it was like, so the I, you know this is the crazy thing is like whether or not that legit whether or not that Kang that we know, uh from the begin from this book got killed by the asteroid let alone anything else there the whole thing is engraved with mystery, and so if you think Kang is going to get let himself get killed by an asteroid and the only way you can time travel is because of his costume, you know, he's got a beeper shoved up his ass or, like, <laughs> something disguised as a lighter or a bottle opener or whatever. You know, the guy can time travel. You That's know, it Yeah, it's just not... The, it's just nothing to worry about. You know, he can escape any of that stuff. So, things being what they are, you know, I mean, this book, this is good. And it looks good. This is phenomenal illustrations, phenomenal coloring, beautiful everything. This is a beautiful book. And, like, this is classic original Kang. Kang that needs development, Kang that needs exploration, Kang that needs elaboration. Like, I don't want the full, I don't want the Jokasada origin of Kang. I want Kang to be mysterious. Kang to be... You never know what Kang is the real Kang. Is there a Kang Prime? Is there a Kang 616? Is there a J.J. Abrams vs. Kang? What the... You know, whatever. I just want Kang to be of mysterious origin. At least in as much as... I like to mention X kang myself. Dimension X, sure. With the uh, Krang, Dimension, yeah, Krang and Kang running around. Um, I just, you know, don't please don't over-explain it. Just let it be something. And if this is a Kang, I'm fine with that. If it's the Kang, fine. Like Kang, there could be so many different Kangs. It's a multiverse. Everything's going towards the multiverse. It's just too bad that the MCU dictates so much of what's going on to such a degree that ultimately they're going to be like, no, Kang has to look like the guy that acts in the, in the TV series. Mm-hmm. Or Kang could be everybody, just like there could be any number of Lokis. There's a freaking alligator. You know, whatever. I'm just saying the possibilities are endless if you keep them endless instead of confining them built around hey, this is what this is got to look like, you know? But even then, Tom Hiddleston is what Loki's going to look like for however long. Quite a long time. And that's where King comes Very much. So, yeah. Anyway, that's what I got on that. I'm going to keep reading it. It's great.
1: I thought it was really good, too. The first time, I thought he was just being a little bitch. But it took me a little bit to, <laughs> to really warm into it. But that's, that's all I got for this week, man. Guys, it's... Uh, you guys got anything left? We, we already uh, pushed New Era, you know, that kick-ass Fed in Denver, Colorado.
2: I love those guys. Those guys are rad. I can't wait to come up there and visit. Yeah, you should You should uh, actually you should.
1: do that. You haven't been
2: here. I already yet. turned down an eight-month job <laughs> uh, and uh, some other stuff. But... Um, I don't have the flyer on me. You remember me sending you those pictures? Oh, yeah, wait, well, you know s- what? He sends, me a f- he sends me a flyer of some local girls that are going to
1: be there and have the front and center is fucking Thunder Rosa. I'm like, motherfucker, you better not miss this.
3: Bit. <laughs> oh, I've seen that flyer, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, the, I know the flyer,
2: too. It's like five girls in the middle of Thunder Rosa. Yeah, I'm trying to scroll back to it here, past my pictures of all this other stuff. Yeah, Mission Pro Wrestling. I'm gonna go check that out. That is on. Uh, that's gonna be in Tulsa. Da, 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 da. Where's the freaking date? Why is the date so hard to find on your freaking flyer? September 12th, 4 p.m. bell time. Oh
0: jeez. What, kind of, what kind of bell show. time
2: is that? No, I'm gonna go hang out, spend some money, eat some popcorn, buy some shirts, support your local. Buy some shirts. There. Yeah. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Well, that's it, guys.
1: Let's let's. Uh, I say we uh, cowabunga.
2: Cowabunga. Baby. Yeah.
1: Well, guys, we appreciate you. Email us. Hit us up. We love doing this for you. You keep downloading it. We'll keep doing it. This transition is over, and this is dangerous. Good.